At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Tonight on the Destiny Show podcast, we are excited to welcome you to episode 101 for our art and music special episode that you will not want to miss with two amazing, amazing guests from the Destiny community. First up, we welcome a talented guardian, three times Movies of the Week winner, game design student, talented musician, and huge Destiny fan. We're excited to welcome on the show Elsie, aka PKMT1234. Welcome to... Happy to be here. (laughs) It's such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and and we're going to dive into all things Destiny music with the talented... Elsie, but Guardians, we're not done yet. We also welcome tonight one of our favorite Guardians and artists from the Destiny community. He is a Guardian who needs little introduction. His art you may have recognized from the Bungie forums and the interwebs of Twitter. He is a master pixel arranger, talented artist, and lead designer for one of our favorite podcasts and organizations in the Destiny community, Guardians Mental Health, serving the entire Destiny community with mental health support and education. We're so, so honored to welcome iResolute on the show tonight. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks. Glad to be on. Happy to be here. It's it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And I'm I'm a huge fan of your art. I love the art that you sent me a little bit ago. Um, I'm excited to frame it on my wall. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of everything that you do in our community. And Guardians, we got one more for you. I need a co-host. So tonight, I asked my good friend Alpha to join me. So Alpha, welcome. And thank you for joining me as my co-host for the evening. Welcome. How you been? 
doing good, man. Just, you know, living life, just getting back from GCX, all that. So I'm vibing. And we're definitely going to have to talk about GCX and catch up on that <laughs> and get to learn a bit about, you know, how that went. And, you know, it's it's definitely something that we're excited to chat about tonight as well. So looking forward to that. And Guardians, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to put our guests on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians. So I hope you're ready. And first question that we have for our guests is, how did you get started in Destiny? Elsie? Uh, okay, well, back in the day, it was just about as House of Wolves came out. I saw some ads for the game. I was like 14, 15 at the time. I barely just got my first console. And it just looked appealing for some reason. I still don't know what it was, but I ended up buying the game. It was my first ever multiplayer experience. Played solo for a little bit up to Taken King. And then once Taken King came out and I did that first King's Fall raid, I was basically hooked for the rest of the franchise. And six, seven years later, we're still here. <laughs> Love that. I started with House of Wolves, and then I have not been stopping since then. I uh, took like of maybe a few weeks here and there, but it's basically been full steam ahead ever since I started. Oh, and it's awesome that you got your start during House of Wolves, uh, because many guardians I still remember uh, started out um during that time and we got not a raid but we got the prison of elders during the house of yep. wolves yes. some people were upset about that i wouldn't know if i was upset about it because obviously it was the first expansion that i ever played or first thing i ever played but it's the prison of elders that got me interested in doing raids because it was kind of like a, a raid light in a sense right it was the first time that you could experience something like that but with three players and i don't know I, I i liked it a lot personally and what about you i resolute i'm curious how did you get started in the destiny community so yeah i mean i started i guess ages ago uh about two weeks after the game released full release um i was playing on xbox 360 at the time uh, literally had followed like that it was coming out knew that it came out still didn't buy like didn't buy the game didn't do anything about it for a couple weeks and <clears throat> we had some uh, free time after uh, I was moving from one job to another and I had some free time and was living with a buddy who uh, was home during the day and we ended up having two Xbox 360s in the, uh, y'all just probably heard my dog shaking awake in the background, but, um, the, yeah, we, we started playing together and first we had just one account. We were playing alternating we got a second Xbox. We got two accounts set up playing all the way through like first raid came out. We played Vogue. We did that. It was dope. We started doing Crota and I started having not a great time with a lot of the Xbox players we met because they were all 
like complete randos that we had met through matching in strikes or crucible or whatever. And, uh, I switched over to PS4 with some friends. We literally used a, um, like a mailing list, like an email list to coordinate doing, um, like nightfalls and raids. Uh, and that was around King's fall time. We did that one a bunch. Um, I hopped off D1 probably right after um, House of Wolves came out and played a bunch of different things on console, jumped back in when D2 came out uh, on PS4 and then switched to PC, and I've been playing on PC ever since. Um, I've been a hunter since uh, after like the third week of starting the game. When Well, really, okay, so what it was was I started as a hunter because I thought it looked cool of course. And then it f- felt like it played weird to me. So I was like, I don't understand this. And I looked at the cover and I was like, okay, that dude looks like master chief. So I'm going to pick the one that looks like master chief a little bit. And then it, it played a lot more like, like I recognized it. I recognized the, the halo DNA. I recognized the bungee feel. And I was like, okay, I get this now. And then I had played MMOs before, so I started understanding that it was a, like, ability and, you know, like, uptime, sort of you're counting shit off, you're, like, figuring out, okay, it's like, this thing just happened, I've got 30 seconds, I get this other thing, I get this other thing, did things on a 10-second refresh, like, and just understanding those loops from having played, like, Final Fantasy Online and, um, I'm sorry, the award-winning Final Fantasy fourteen free MMO. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I played that and uh, some other MMOs like WoW and Final Fantasy Eleven. So um, yeah, I just clicked into it and I really liked it. And then uh, done probably at this point totaled up, you know, over a couple hundred raids from D1 and D2 and uh, last season uh, when Val came out, really started doing, trying to do helps with a, a little community that we have over on uh, on Discord that mostly it's people we've met through Twitter um, called Terminus Combat Network. And we, we try to do helps on like Fridays and Saturdays. And it's, it's a pretty small group, but like folks can run in, bring their friends. Um, we've done probably like 30 or 40 Sherps overall in the past, like, uh, I don't know, two or three months. Um, it's pretty low key. Uh, it's mostly just like friends of friends, so it's it's not too many. It's not a high volume, but we like to help do a couple of raids every weekend. So it's fun stuff. Long that's, answer. That's really cool. And I'm curious, how did your art influences tie into your Destiny art that you create? Oh, uh, well, so that was actually kind of like a long time coming. I actually had the idea for some of the first paintings I did back in like... 2015 um uh but it was really loose in my head and i was working in it at the time and i wasn't really making a lot of art even though i sort of lived and worked out of an art and music studio so like i would come home from work and be uh (laughs) like in an art studio but then barely ever work on art um but those ideas sat in there until about 2018 and I just had gotten like entirely fed up with working in IT and I had enough like client work and commission work that wasn't even video game related, definitely wasn't destiny related. Uh, I had enough backed up that I was like able to kind of jump and try to do art as a full-time thing. 
Um, and one of the things I did was a couple months after I had done that, I heard uh, Professor Broman on DCP talking about uh, what was then Guardian Con. And this was like right after D2 had come out. And so like the community was a little upset about the state of the game. Um, knowing what we have now and what everything has sort of gone through, uh, totally understandable. It was not in a great state when D2 vanilla was out. And it's kind of understandable. So they were, they were kind of having a hard time filling up all their spots. So I jumped in there and did really well. People had a really good time. I only had three paintings. I had finished like uh, Ace of Spades, Sunshot, Mita Multi-Tool, and I had like two-thirds of the way gotten through doing a the customized version of the Jade Rabbit that I had done. But these were like just sort of really basic ideas where I just kind of crammed together my um, like design sensibility and training from school and the kind of painting that I like to do, which is this really abstract expressionist. Like mostly it was like the backgrounds that I do for my Destiny art, but then I would put like graffiti or something else over top of it or just kind of leave it as the background because I, I like that too. I think that's cool looking as well. But um, yeah, I just like smashed together the idea of doing these like really like pretty realistic, but not like super realistic and not like exact, but like, oh, it's like a top down or side on view, like sort of like diagram view, which is uh, actually has a name. It's called orthography um, or like an orthographical view of an object, uh, usually for diagrams and manuals and stuff like that. So yeah, I would just like kind of gussy that up and make it look cool and smash my normal graffiti, noisy collage, abstract art together with that. And that's what I got. And were you always this good with your art or did it <laughs> no, take time? Not. I used to suck. I used to be awful. <laughs> okay, so like when um, did you start getting to a um, point where you were comfortable with sharing it or yeah. could, let's say, make a sale? Well, okay, so I mean, that's like kind of a thing about art, right? Is like a lot of times you just kind of have to be comfortable whether you whether it's actually good or not. And I'm sure that early on, a lot of my stuff people didn't like. It wasn't even like sort of technically good. Um, but I'm, I'm 40. I've been doing art since I was 16 years old. I started painting when I was about 16, 17. Um, I guess I was really, I was doing art well before that. I started doing art when I was like five, six years old, right? But that was just like drawing and sketching on printer paper and notebook paper in my family's house and like, you know, pens and pencils that we happened to have. It wasn't with any sort of tools or training. Um, in middle school and high school, I took pretty basic art classes. At the, towards the end of, heart, uh, of high school, I took some more advanced classes and stuff like that and got some college credit. And then I went to art school. Uh, um, but my art school also closed. <laughs> it got sold to a law school, and it's part of that school. And so, like, I don't know, what is art school? So, but to, for, for like, for real, like they, there was training, there was like practice and it, it set down kind of a standard for doing practice for me, which I'm sure Elsie can, can probably talk about too, is like the idea of like rehearsal and practice is like a huge part of pulling something off. You know, it's like, it's, you, you don't get to the point where you're confident enough to share your work until you've been doing it for long enough. But like, then there's also this 
side that's like the only way it really gets better is if you share it like of course you can probably get yourself to a certain point within limits but like you need people to see things and you especially need other people who do art to see things and uh or hear things or you know interact with them watch things and and see stuff and give you like feedback and critique and it it takes a while but i would say i probably could have started doing the kind of destiny art i do like i could have started doing it in you know or late 2000s if destiny had existed i could have done it for other games that i liked you know what i mean but it just like it never really snapped together that i i could do those two things and i've done stuff from other games and other like sci-fi and fantasy like franchises and stuff like that out there like star wars and i've done halo stuff and i've done god of war and like it's fun i love pulling together these things that i really like that i'm really inspired by and smashing them together with the stuff that i i know how to do and i think it i think it ends up working really well and i think it's it's fun to share that like whether I make mistakes or not, because I constantly do I constantly like cover stuff up and redo things. So it's just, it's just getting stuff out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think there's something really cool about building in public, right? Where yeah. you can get feedback and it helps you to really improve and elevate what you're creating by getting that feedback and putting it out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, Elsie, your music is incredible. I had a chance to listen to some of your music earlier today. And I'm curious, how did your musical journey begin? And how did your inspiration from Destiny take shape? So I have been playing piano now for about 11 years. Started very, very young uh because my parents gave me a one of those toy pianos that you're not actually supposed to play anything coherent on but i started playing like still very simple but at least coherent things so they asked me if i wanted to start taking lessons and i did um and it, you know it was all the basic music theory stuff for a few years that almost every music teacher learns but then at one point I got a new teacher, and this teacher, just like me, was obsessed with video game music. At the time, for me, I was mostly a Nintendo kid. I was obsessed with most of their soundtracks because the way that Nintendo Insane. handles that is way too good. Uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2 is still my favorite game of all time for that reason. Um, and he kind of helped guide me to you shouldn't make music because just making music and like learning all the theory and doing all that you should make music because it's fun and you should make things that you like making and play things that you like playing and the moment that i got into destiny and no matter how weird and bad the initial destiny vanilla campaign was the music in destiny one just absolutely pulled me in and i have been a fan of it ever since uh and at one point my teacher suggested this was quite a few years later um that i do something with it like they initially just try to play some songs from the destiny soundtrack and and that was fun but then he suggested that i should try to see if i could make something based on the soundtrack and i made 
a lot of that never saw the light of day, not even the light of my teacher. Uh, a lot of things sitting on my hard drive uh, and possibly going into the recycle bin a few minutes later. Uh, but eventually, I uh, kind of discovered that <laughs> I like to call it musical ADHD, uh, where I'm play playing a song and it's going all fine, and then suddenly I get distracted and I'm playing a different song, but it kind of all flows together and you don't really notice that you're going from one to the other. And I was like, I should do something with that. And that's how I started creating an entire mashup of a bunch of different Destiny tracks all mashed together into one thing. And like uh, Irresolute said before, uh, it takes so much practice to get that down because my goal for that was no matter how long the mashup is no matter how many tracks are in it i need to be able to play it start to finish no breaks i need to record it in one take and the final length of the mashup ended up being almost 25 minutes uh so the it, that's that's why it took me almost a year to get it completely down but it was worth it because over that entire year i was sharing things about that smaller sections with friends and with people in my community i was getting feedback on it people were giving advice people were helping and it just made the whole thing so much better because while i was working on my own i would record something and then i would think that it sounded pretty all right and then i'd go to bed the next day i'd wake up i'd listen to it and i was like who the hell did this and why did she think it was okay <laughs> Uh, so that's why like sharing it with other people and giving yourself that experience of how other people see the things that you create, because you see the things that you create in a vacuum, purely how you envisioned it. And without that external opinion, like it, it stays that way and you stay in that bubble. And by starting to post things on YouTube and by starting to share my music, I broke out of that bubble and i was able to do something that if you had asked me like two years ago if i was able to do that i would have said no and from there forward i've kind of just been working with the destiny soundtrack since making lo-fi remixes themes uh i've been working on an entire album filled with those lo-fi remixes lately uh and that's kind of like how I got from just having an interest in playing piano all the way to, you know, making fan music for this game that we all spend probably a little too much time on. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. We spend just enough time to regret our lives. Yeah, I feel like it's the actual, oh. like, <laughs> please don't look at my hours and then judge. The don't look at mine either, please. Like, Love you, God. It's the number of hours I've needed to play so far, you know? Like, See, I play Destiny for research so that I can make music. I, I exactly. swear, it's just research. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really. I have to see, like, I gotta see what the Guardians are wearing, you know, what they're equipping, so I can be like, I should paint that. Or, I mean, legit, like, the way that the, ga the game comes out now, it actually does require, well, require. I mean, I do... You know, I, I make art, I show it to people, I share it with people, I sell it, like I'm I get 
money for the art I make. This may be, uh, um, you know, kind of a, a a stance considering the way that things have gone lately with people in the Destiny community having monetized content in any way, shape, or form. Um, but, like, playing regularly is actively a part, and it's actively a part of all of the fan art that I do and sell, is, like, any game that comes out, like, if I'm not playing it, I don't know what's popular in it. I don't know what people like about it. I don't know, like what the zeitgeist is or what the or what like the weird thing that everyone knows right now um i did a painting this was like maybe how long ago were weapon parts uh sunset or like oh god i think that was was around witch queen when it launched sunset it weapon parts goes away this is like six months ago i did a painting of them before they were they were taken out of the thing someone bought it within like a week you know that's that's the thing is like you actually do need to be connected to it because for better or worse there's like a cycle that you have to kind of stick to you have to stick with like the way the players are interacting with the cycle the way the devs are releasing the game in a cycle and destiny for a long time has had a really vibrant community for good and bad it has had a really like active community for good and bad and it has had like (laughs) For the last three years, it has had release after release after release. Like there's a, I mean, COVID notwithstanding and the the extra time that it took to put out The Witch Queen, like it's been hella consistent. And even though there was a huge delay, they still gave us, we still got the the dungeon. We still got Grasp of Avarice and all the 30th anniversary stuff, which is wild content if you think about it it is like the craziest things they've ever put in the game talking horse weapons from halo like come on like that horse instantly within a week of it being like showcased like shown to the community it became basically like the god of the community it it became a meme like immediately like and, and that doesn't happen to every single character that gets released in destiny or any game but like that horse was people loved it and it was great. Like and our horse is disappointed with your lack of maidens. <laughs> no, but what you're saying is what you're saying is right. I've had a very similar thing with like the music aspect. The first thing that we do, and this is me and quite a few other friends of the Destiny music community, when a new release happens, the first thing we look for is there any new music? And if so, is that music, does it sound like it would be popular within the community? I, yeah. uh, I did this track. back with, yeah, I did this back with Beyond Light. The, they always release the soundtrack one or two days before the actual expansion. And since I had recently posted a few lo-fi remixes before that, and those ended up winning movie of the week, I was like, I should do more. Uh, so when they posted the Beyond Light soundtrack, I challenged myself to remix one of the tracks in those 24 hours before they actually released the expansion. I had no idea where any of the tracks would play or which ones would be popular, uh, but I was following along on Twitter, seeing like what people were listening to, and I figured that Deep Stone Lullaby would be a good choice. Classic. And... Mm-hmm. Needless to say, that is still the most popular remix on my channel to this day because the uh, moment that's... that the raid came out and uh. people heard it in game, 
like if, if you look at the analytics graphic you can literally see like the day after the raid came out it just shot up because people loved that track and we do that now with almost every release if there's like new event music for solstice or uh for um like iron banner recently had some new tower music uh or if there's like a dungeon i did the same thing with grasp of avarice where i remixed it before the actual dungeon came out like that kind of stuff staying up to date with what the entire community is doing helps so much with getting people to see the things that you're making and with the things that they respond with you can make your next release better right that's so well said and you know it's interesting um elsie you mentioned you didn't initially put your content out Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes you have to put your content out to get that feedback absolutely have that data to have that analytics to really know like what's going to resonate with people and i think that's really important to really have that data and to really know what people want so i think that's such an important uh, metric to to keep in mind and to look at yeah and it's not even just like I, i say like release it publicly like i put it on youtube and before that i didn't share it with basically anyone but when I mean like share the stuff that you make, I don't mean put it up on the internet for literally everyone and their mothers to see. Like send it to a few friends, see what they think of it. Like you don't have to put yourself under that pressure of like sharing it with the world. Cause believe me, I know that that is extremely scary, which is why I didn't do it for years, basically. I didn't share anything that I did or anything that I made. I barely even like. Uh, showed anything that I was doing to friends or to family or anything like that. And you don't need to instantly go big and share it with everyone that you can. Like, share it with a few friends and try to gain some confidence that way. Because Lord knows, if you try to instantly go big, uh, that will not be good for your for your mental health if like people aren't really nice about it or... Because it's the internet at the end of the day. If you make something that is 99% good, people will complain about the 1%. So, you know, take your time with things. (laughs) The only people that talk about it, talk about it crudely, poorly, or not analytically. They talk about Mm -hmm. like the raw emotion of it and they don't, they're not there to critique and help you grow. They're there to respond with the tool set they have, which is usually just, I like this, I don't like this. And some people have a a more extensive vocabulary than that when it comes to it. Or you just end up in like posting in the wrong place, you know, or at the wrong yeah. time. Or, you know, when I first started trying to post my art, one of the places I went to because I knew there was a really big audience was Reddit. And that didn't go super well. <laughs> I um, the exact same experience as Very there, extensive it, vocabulary. Because it was like... Also, for, in my case, Reddit had Reddit as a platform for like communities had changed in a way that I hadn't like understood because I wasn't consistently using it. If you go look at my account, it will say that I've been a user since like the year Reddit opened up or like a year after or so, but I have a really limited number of posts and there's a huge gap of time where I stopped using it. 
and the website completely changed. And so I went to it and I was like, hey, I'm going to do this thing that I've always seen people do on Reddit. I'm going to post my art and I'm going to be really blunt and really basic about it. And I'm going to say, go to my website and buy it. Like, like go, go now, please. <laughs> Thank you. That's and one way to do it. It got, it got removed instantly. And I was like, yeah. but why? Like it had like 400 likes it within like minutes. And they were like, yeah, well, you weren't supposed to do that. And you didn't read the rule. And I was like, there's rules now. <laughs> this was the internet. There was no rules here. What are you talking about? And there was. They they had added a whole a whole section. Yeah, uh, and it's it. I after you know taking a little bit of time, realizing that shit had changed, and I had not noticed it. Like that's what all subreddits do now. They all have a very basic rule set that comes from the way when you set up a new subreddit. Uh, Reddit goes like, here, no, please, these are the rules, and you also need to moderate, like, you need to actively enforce, moderate this space, like, we can shut things down, and this was largely because they had monetized the site, and they had also started putting in other rules about like, you know, we don't really want people doing free advertising on here, we want people doing paid advertising on here, so, like, when things get to a certain amount, the platform itself discourages a certain behavior and then of course there is the real like the destiny subreddit is probably one of the more like volatile places on in terms of gaming communities on reddit um that without any good reason they just are it's just it just is just the way things are but like you know going there and not respecting the culture of that place is not going to get you anything Right, you're not going to get any response. You're not going to get any. Well, I actually, I, let me take that back. It gives you pain. You get a little bit of pain from trying to just rush into uh, Reddit and do whatever you want. Um, there's plenty of ways. Like I've posted, I post pretty regularly there. Whenever I have a new piece, I don't post work in progress stuff there because they don't really like that's not their thing. Um, people like to see finished stuff there and take a look at it, vote on it, and pass on by. Get to the get to the questions, comments, and um, screaming section of the website. So, anyway. Reddit can definitely be a very interesting place with a lot of rules and guidelines that you need to be aware of before you really dive into the community. Mm -hmm. It's just. If you're, like you said, if you're posting something on Reddit, like every social media has its own culture. Twitter is very like, share the things that you are doing. And if people like it, they will like it. And if not, then they will ignore it. Mostly, unless it's like they have like controversial opinions and they go into the replies or private quote retweet your stuff or whatever. Uh, but or if you get tricked or you get or you bait someone, there's yeah. a lot of that. <laughs> there's there's like there's there's different cultures on each social media and you are basically trying to post something in front of some group that is not your target audience and what i've started to do is like what you said with work in progress stuff i used to share those things like openly uh but what i've done now is i opened up a patreon and i started sharing work in progress stuff there because i realized most people don't really care they just want to like hear hey do you have a new song finished do you have a new remix finished cool show me and they don't really care about the process leading up to it and that's fine because like 
Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't. They just like listening to music that is actually finished, and they don't really get much out of listening to music that sounds unfinished. But to the people that I wanted to support or are interested in the process, then they could get that stuff from uh, from another source. And I feel like you know, trying to figure out where to place the things that you're making is key to getting people to see your things in a positive light <laughs> instead of uh like what you get on reddit if you're constantly self-promoting like let's just say they give you a pat on the back as you close the door on your way out uh in the nicest way possible <laughs> yeah that that will happen and thankfully there's been a there's always there's always sort of a another path through some of these social media places like people have made subreddits um like Kara Kara Lee she did uh she does wearzer.com she made a subreddit uh that's just for destiny creations it's just for yes. art and music and it's great everybody there is incredibly supportive all the people who post in that specific one but like that never breaks out of like a couple hundred maybe even a couple thousand in like pieces of engagement like right it's it's a much more limited space than the literal potential for millions of interactions that you can get in other places including dtg and destiny 2 like the the other two major subreddits and that's the same way with like if you want to post something about breath of the wild if you want to post something about uh, like mario like if you want to post something about um anything like that there's there's a, a slice of culture and there's probably a huge audience in one slice and then there's probably a smaller slice in the uh you know in the the one for just doing creative stuff it's usually a a pretty stark ratio but it's also like it's there and there are people that are like super down with seeing something you really have to like balance like what you're saying lc is like sometimes there are groups of people that love to see work in progress and like almost completed here's something new that's almost done are you ready for it like help me get it out there and share it with your friends like they want to see that whole process, but most people don't. Most people are just like, <laughs> "Is good song? I listen. Thank you." <laughs> like that's kind yeah, of, and that that's fine. Also, like it takes all of those stripes, like it takes all those different kinds to like make up the whole audience. And that's you know sometimes you get to play like specifically to some of them, right? Like you get to do a super long mashup that like only a certain kind of people will like, or you get to do a certain kind of painting that you know three or four people will like um like i did a a piece around when shatter dive was really hot in the crucible (laughs) um i've done some some design and art for the destiny massive breakdown podcast and their community of players includes a lot of a lot of pvp sweats and uh some of them thought that was hilarious so uh, i got a commission to do shatter dive elmo which I'm sure everybody has seen. It's like the from the oh, gif of what? Elmo with the fire behind it. And it's mm-hmm. it's one that Mercules used to post a lot and uh, uh some of the other guys from that community used to post a lot. It was very funny. Um and uh the commissioner had me uh have him have a word bubble and uh it, it, we ended up having him say just adapt because it was oh. it's one of the things Oof. that's like it's oh, pretty brutal, God. but it's it's like you know, it got nerfed. It got taken. Like it got pulled way down. It was like adapt during the season, and then it's going to get changed. But it was still. It's like it's just an example of uh, 
you know, like kind of a niche, really particular thing that like, yeah, that's for, that's for one audience. It's a small audience, but I had a really, I had a lot of fun making it and people have got a good laugh out of it since then. At the end of the day though, like to me, I used to uh, not really obsess over analytics, but like I'd be looking at them fairly frequently, especially when I started initially posting my work. I was very anxious about how well it would do. But, you know, you hear it from basically any creator who's gone through that sort of stuff. Just don't don't get sucked up in the numbers. The numbers can help. Absolutely. Like they can help you figure out like where and when to post things if you want things to take off a bit more. But to me, when it comes to making music, there are two important things in in specific order and the number one thing is that i like what i made i'm proud of what i made and i'm happy to put it out into the world for my earlier works i never really was i just wanted to get it out there get it over and done with because i just didn't really feel it anymore and with my more recent stuff like every single thing that i've put out no matter how good other people think it is i'm proud of it that's number one and number two is it doesn't matter how many people see it. If there was even one person that listened to something that I made and they don't even need to say like, I liked it or I had a good time listening to it. If it just like made them smile for like a half a second, that is honestly all that I personally need knowing that I made something that somebody listened to and it contributed to their overall good mood for the day that's legitimately all i need and to then see me uh sharing like mainly that 25 minute mashup that i made uh seeing that get shared around and seeing people still to this day sometimes uh when i meet them for the first time say hey i saw that that was absolutely beautiful made my day like that is that's the kind of stuff i personally do it for because I don't really make money from my music. It's a hobby for me. It, I would love to like turn it into a job somewhere. Uh, I've been looking for that for a long time, but like it's a hobby for me. It's something that I do to relieve stress and to see that that stress relief helps other people. Uh, that is that's so impactful, uh, even if it's just a very tiny amount. And I've made so many friends by just sharing the music that i created i met a lot of people in the destiny music community uh a lot of you may probably know them or at least have seen their channels before it's the people that archive all the music and post it online it's uh people like the the geomantic group which is a group of people that we uh, are currently collectively working on like an entire remix album for that covers a bunch of different genres of destiny tracks like I met all those people because I started sharing my music and I don't care that maybe they were the only per- people that heard some of that music. What matters is that it added something. It brought value to their day, to my day, and it turned into something meaningful. That's all that I'm really looking for when I'm making music is just that that very, very small feeling that goes on in someone's head when they're listening to it. And if it's even the tiniest bit happy or content, that's, that's it. That's, that's gold right there. 
Elsie, I think you put it so perfectly. You know, it's about creating something that can impact someone else in a positive way. And if you can achieve that, you have a very special accomplishment that you've achieved. It's invaluable. It it really is because you know it's. Uh, I had I had this thing happen when I posted that mashup a few hours later. Quote tweeted by uh, a Bungie dev, and that Bungie dev said, "Guess what? I've been listening to the whole time while working on the Witch Queen expansion." And just to know that, like, you contributed to keeping them focused on their work, and that you know, in a few months, you'll be playing the thing that they worked on while they were listening to the thing that you made just to see like that come back at you in a way like that like that 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 sort of stuff is priceless to me <laughs> so Elsie, i want to go back to when you got movies of the week tell mm -hmm. me about that experience how did that first come about when did you first <laughs> learn that you were going to get movies of the week first time uh, the first one is is amazing. Uh, I the video right now, looking back at the music that was in it, it was clear that it was definitely my first rodeo. Um, a friend of mine approached me. Uh, his name is Henry, and he approached me saying, "Hey, I found out that a lot of Destiny's character models like just were ripped from the game, and that you can like use them in Blender animations and whatnot." And he wanted to make an animation of Drifter sitting in a spaceship in like the lo-fi girl pose, uh, listening to lo-fi hip-hop beats to relax study to. And I was like, that's a good idea. I've never tried to make lo-fi before, but I'm going to try to make some Destiny lo-fi remixes to go on that animation. And it was supposed to be a shit post, right? It wasn't supposed to be something that... I didn't put a lot of effort into the actual lo-fi remixes. They sounded like lo-fi. You could make out which tracks they were based on. But I didn't put that much time into it because I didn't think that a lot of people would see it. It was just a project that the two of us were working on. And, you know, we liked it. We, we, we thought funny. And just instantly, it started picking up traction. And a few days later, uh, I was just, I, I, I believe I was just watching a video. I was just eating dinner. And my Discord inbox starts exploding because the TWAB just came out. And it was in there. And that was like when <laughs> I thought to myself, huh, maybe I should take it a bit more seriously instead of making one of those lo-fi remixes in, what was it, 30, 45 minutes? Um, and just cranking them out and putting them in that video. I was like, maybe I should start taking it a little more seriously. And that's really when I... Uh, uh, and that's when the am I actually proud of what I have created started mattering to me because now I knew that for anything that you create there's a chance and it may not be a it may not be a big chance but there's a chance that a lot of people will see it and that is something that you as a creator have to accept that whatever you put out can potentially be seen by a lot more people than you intended so if you're not proud of what you created, and I've had this a few times, doesn't feel good because you aren't happy with what you made. And to see that hundreds of people are listening to the thing that you made, 
that you think is subpar, like that doesn't exactly give a positive experience. And that's why, like almost immediately after that, that's when I started working on that mashup. It was immediately after Beyond Light released, I started working on it. And it took me exactly a full year to finish the music, to finish the video. Uh, it took over 25 people to help record background footage uh, to make like an entire cinematic gameplay sequence for the full 25 minutes. Uh, it, it took so many people to put that whole project together, but I knew that when I pressed that render button on the video and when I uploaded it, I was proud of it. So no matter how many people saw it, I wasn't going to be upset with that. Like if, if it was 10 people, if it was 100, if it was 1,000, 100,000, doesn't matter. I was proud of what I made. and it ended up paying off putting so much effort into it because it that too ended up winning movie of the week in under 24 hours i posted it on uh, a tuesday and then on the wednesday the day after the twab was pulled forward a day because there was a holiday going on i don't quite remember what it was but the twab got posted on a wednesday a day later and it was instantly featured in there because the people that saw it uh, initially saw how much effort was put into it and saw how much care was put into it. And it kind of radiated that feeling that I was proud of what I made. And you could see that in the actual project, which is probably why it led to that winning as well. But the thing that at the end of the day just matters the most, like I said, are you happy with what you made? And if you are happy with what you made, do not try to pay attention to how many people saw it because does it really matter at that point if five people saw it or if 50 people saw it because those people aren't going to change you are proud of what you made or not they probably can try with posting some mean things about it but i know i think that's so so true values Uh, and that's I, I'm still doing that today. Yeah, I, I relate so much to everything that you said, uh, especially with doing the podcast. I think that you know it's something that took time to build. In fact, I have probably at least fifty episodes that nobody has ever heard because we really started the podcast. I would say at least a year before we actually put anything out. And I always wonder, like, what if I actually started sooner, right? Because after I published, I learned a lot, but I also gained a lot of knowledge, experience, and also opportunities came, like, pretty quick. Like, I still remember the day that I heard that Bungie listens to the podcast or listened, and it it, it just, it was a very surreal moment because for me it was like, oh, okay, well... If Bungie ever listened to the podcast, then like mission accomplished, you know? So to have that experience or like having Pete Parsons follow us, like that's surreal. <laughs> it's just like that ultimate sign of respect. And I appreciate that so much. And I love this community for all of the opportunities that it brings. So on a slightly different topic, I'm curious. With Destiny Season of the Haunted, what do you love the most about this season 
what do you don't love about this season? What would you say? I'll see. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. What I love most about the season, and this is probably not something you'll hear from literally anyone else, uh, obviously they brought back the Leviathan, right? And it's all infested. And that's really cool. But what I was most interested in is as soon as we saw that the Leviathan was coming back as a patrol zone, the first thing I thought of was, what are they going to do with the music? Because every patrol zone in Destiny has its own music playlist, right? And it uh, it plays a track when you land, and if you go near enemies, it adds percussion to it. And if you go into an actual mission, it plays like the full track. And the Leviathan never really had anything like that when it was just a raid. So I was wondering what they did with it. And when I loaded in for the first time, and I heard that they mixed a bunch of the Leviathan and the Cabal music with tracks from Shadowkeep and from the Moon, with the Nightmare stuff, when they mixed those together, the moment I heard that, I immediately fell in love. I specifically remember, and this is probably my favorite part of the season so far, uh, the very first Sever mission has you go into the Gauntlet area and you fight the Fanatic there. But they didn't just play the Fanatic's music theme there. They played a mix between the theme of the original Gauntlet encounter of the Leviathan, because that was the area that you were in, and they mixed those two together. And it's just those tiny details. Not a lot of players will notice them, but I live for those details in almost every single release that Bungie puts out. So even though like the story of the season is amazing and obviously deserves to be praised, uh, weapons are really fun. I absolutely fell in love with the dungeon, but that to me <laughs> will almost always be the number one thing that I praise about any given release. And honestly, also just like the 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 fact that they nail it for almost every single seasonal release. Like back when they uh they did the same thing with Season of the Risen where with the uh the Psyops battlegrounds where the boss the boss fight themes, they weren't just tracks from the Witch Queen uh expansion. They were a mix from Witch Queen tracks and whatever track was normally playing on the destination that the battleground was on. Uh, so it's just, it's those tiny details that they put a lot of effort into very clearly, but you don't really notice it unless you pay attention to it, but it adds so much to the experience, and I love paying attention to those tiny details. And for almost every single expansion and seasonal release, that's been the case for me, that that is almost what I value the most, I would say. Love that. What about you, iResolute? Uh, hmm. I like the crafting. I like it a lot. I know that a lot of people probably don't, or, or at least have some pretty hot opinions on what it should or shouldn't be. I think it's it's cool addition to the game. Uh, it's something that I've always been like a kind of a completionist when it comes to like getting loot in games. 
ended up being really fun for me to get these options to do these really deterministic things. And then I also, and I've been playing all three characters a lot lately and realizing how different the builds are. And the the new 3.0 subclasses have been just incredibly fun to tinker with. I still don't have a setup that I really like on Solar, but I've been listening to some of the Massive Breakdown boys on PvE talk about how stuff's not working yet, stuff is... That we're, They've they've had bugs and different things that haven't meshed correctly, and they've had to like nerf certain things because working as intended. And I think, um, you know, pun intended, Solar 3.0 shipped a hotter than it should have. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it again. Don't worry about it. Um, that was bad. It was a bad joke with a uh, bad pun. But you get yeah. one singular laugh from me. <laughs> one. Um, also, uh. I'm. I'm so much more interested in in an Arc 3.0 build than I was in a Solar build anyway, because it was my main Crucible um, subclass for playing Hunter. I was a Arc Strider for sure, like it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, and I really wanted to be able to tinker with that some more. And it, because I didn't get the thing I wanted, <laughs> it is like. Um, Arc definitely feels underpowered because everything else is already in that new setup state with the aspect and fragments, and there's a lot more flexibility in the builds. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting that next. Um, but what I will say, I, I like, in, I like incredibly about the season to season stuff we've gotten is the continuity in the story and the like the building of, and I've talked about this before on Twitter and with. And chat and stuff like that is like they are building things with pieces that we didn't have we used to get a lot of building and like filling in pieces that we already have or had and now we're getting like here is a new piece we're getting a reveal of a piece of story that we we didn't have before like <clears throat> history about uh Keitel and the cabal empire and like why they're here or like what they were doing that drove them in this direction because like we had a story about why they got here, right? We had a story about what they were doing when they arrived. We 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 did that, but like we're filling in pieces about like in between understanding what Callus was doing because of the the raids we got with him and with the Leviathan and the Menagerie, and now like the stuff we learned about the Witness and Rolk and Savathun and like all of these things are like pulling the story really far forward. I've always really liked lore in games like going back to halo and mass effect and mass effect one was probably like my gold standard for really cool lore explorations and presentations um, i wish every game had a uh, cool narrator that would read the main <laughs> lore tabs to me that would be awesome well, obviously we have my name is bife it's just he's not <laughs> in the do. game <laughs> one of the really good uh, people out there doing lore podcasts that that make amazing renditions of them but being able to like hover in game and and get and we you know we kind of do now that i say that i'm thinking like um the the weekly missions all have those they're just the voice logs right when we go back to the helm now and it's been that way for a couple of seasons where we get these additional 
like and if you read a lot of the the on-screen text is like kind of the same but it's like a longer more expository more you know maybe emotional content for some of the characters uh, and that content has just been like superb lately like the 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 things that we're learning about these characters the things that they're doing on screen like with us around us is so much cooler than it's ever been and i think it's really fun for this kind of mmo like right we're like inside this world and there's stuff happening in real time and there's stuff happening like week to week like no spoilies but you know if you go into the helm this week it's different and there's like environmental storytelling that goes on there. You walk forward, you get to listen to an audio message. You walk all the way down, you engage with the, you know, the um, the node for the Crown of Sorrow, and you get another lore. You get to listen to that while you just do the rest of the stuff you're doing in the menu, grabbing your bounties, you know, focusing an engram or whatever, and then you bounce back out and you get to do more fun running around shooting stuff in the game. So it's it's been really enjoyable to see them hit their stride with a lot of stuff. And like Elsie was saying, there's all these like little details. Like they, they, they always get so many little details in there. You know, they don't, I'm sure every little single thing doesn't get noticed by people or it doesn't hit the same way for everyone. But the fact that they have so many creative people that are pulling on all of these different threads and like weaving this whole thing together from the sounds to like these audio logs, the missions themselves, the, the seasonal tracks and stuff that have been updated. It's just been like it's been incredible. Like it, it's been one of the, the most funs I've ever, most fun I've ever had with a video game in. Yeah. I, a really long time. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And I'm kind of with you on that being one of the things that I really enjoy about destiny right now, the progression of the story from week to week. And the way that we're learning each week as how the story unfolds and how our characters that we've learned to get to know for the longest time, how their stories and origins come about. And that's really interesting. To me, it always kind of felt like, uh, probably up until like Shadowkeep-ish, they were doing a lot of world building. They were always like, showing you something and it was a start of a story and then there was something at the end but like i i still very much remember when Shadowkeep was first revealed they were holding an interview with dado and one of the questions that he asked to almost every single person there was we've had all these different story threads and they're just branching off into this infinite thing that doesn't really go anywhere where are we going right and i feel like up until the later Shadowkeep seasons when we actually started to get that weekly story structure that would then lead into the next season and then into the next expansion. Like, we weren't ever really going anywhere until they started giving us the story in almost like a weekly Netflix season, right? Every week you get a new episode and you see what's happening with your characters. And then at the end of the season, something will have happened that has had an impact on the universe. And that then goes forward into the season and the expansion after that. And sometimes it even goes forward into a season two years from now. Like huh? what happened back when Aldrin got resurrected as Crow, that having an impact almost two years later. And now we're following the entire story 
of this resurrected guardian who now has memories of his previous life. Like that yes. is, it's so cool to see those story threads that you saw like blooming initially when they were created or planted, seeing those then being transformed into something that does something in the universe. Like you probably all remember the the contrast between the cutscene of Cade holding a gun or the Aldrin holding a gun to Cade's head and then Zavala reaching out his hand to Crow, like the contrast of those two cutscenes, mm-hmm. seeing that happen over the course of a few, seeing that evolve is such a big part of why it really feels like Bungie has found their footing with how they should structure Destiny content. Because to be real, every season obviously has had a few misses, but generally speaking, over the last year or so since they truly started adopting that weekly mission structure with chosen like they haven't really missed with the weekly story all that much they haven't really missed with that world building they it's been i've constantly been interested at logging in on tuesday afternoon and seeing what's happening because they've genuinely created something that has pulled me in and it's it's it made me want to see what's happening to these characters and and what's happening to us back when shadow keep first came out great eris came back cool we talked to her in like 2d1 expansions and then never saw her again and nothing ever came of her why should i be so interested in it when i barely feel like i know this character sure i've seen them i've talked to them but do i really know who this character is and what they do if they're kind of just like a blank slate of dialogue that isn't used for story purposes like the characters actually feel like characters now and especially with like the the fact that this season you know confronts everyone's traumas and everyone's worries doubts anxieties like it gives so much depth to those characters i never really was a big zavala fan like, sure, he was a cool character, but he always felt like he was doing the same thing in every expansion. He was telling you to Guardian, go somewhere, kill this thing because plot reasons. And it never really felt like there was much depth to him. But in those two weeks of story where they explored like the relationship between him and his deceased wife and son, that added so much depth to Zavala that like I I like him as a character now I think he's fantastic and if they continue building on that like that's it, it adds so much to the universe by, by by just giving him two weeks of soldier and they've been doing that to so many characters that the universe feels a lot more full than it did like four years ago yeah four years ago Zavala's character was a joke about how mm-hmm. serious he was and he was like it, we're coming in anyway fire team piccolo like or you know why is why is the strike name generator not updated what is this operation baby dog like that's those are funny jokes and they work on a level that they can't have worked if we didn't get you know a certain quality of characterization like we had to have super serious the guy that's always like slamming his hand on the table we're going to take care of this like that guy we had to have that version so that we could have those jokes. That's not the same kind of like depth as what you're talking about with where we get, you know, a story about his past that is like incredibly revealing. 
that's not told through like a simple visual montage, but through an actual like, you know, heavily invested dialogue rich story where we're getting a full kind of like acting from from different characters that is coming from this like incredibly rich narrative and development driven like story vessel right we have we have this incredible multimedia platform we're in third or in first person in this you know 3D space with them and we can have them through the the magic of this sort of like sci-fi framework be able to show like these actual nightmares like physical manifestations of what their traumas in the form of a thing that we were introduced to in game mechanic thing that can be interacted seeing that for crow and zabala and then this week getting the start of title that is just like it's incredible like and you know you talk about little details it's like there is i don't know if y'all this but like the end of the uh dialogue bit for keitel is almost reflective of the story of the guardians and the the dial the like mantras given by the speaker like she's talking about her death and resurrection as a different person to carry the rest of her people forward and it is this like incredibly moving thing where they're giving us even characters that were villains giving us these like breadcrumbs of showing them like this similarity and like this understanding because i mean it's a very fantastic thing that we're these unkillable zombie resurrective like paracausal beings right when we play this game but you know there is interesting dynamics that they can play through and they do it in these little teeny tiny pieces they give us these little pieces like carry us through the thing where it's like maybe there's this big set piece and we just learned something really revealing about Keitel, but then there's like if you look at the text of that there's this really rich piece that is then going to like I'll see you were saying like be able to branch out and connect back and they're doing such a good job with connecting all the things back now and like adding new stuff at the same time that they can connect back to later instead of just leaving us hanging on like piece by piece by piece we get a story chunk once a year or whatever like getting it like once a week and it's and not even once a week right it's like six weeks and then it kind of tapers off and then we might get an extra piece and then we get another chunk and then a taper off and another chunk and you know, it's, it's just good pacing, good, good content. Well said, well said. And Alpha, do you have any thoughts on this season? Anything that stands out to you? Uh, well, one, I would, I would have to agree with everything that's going on about depth is that, uh, one thing that has stuck out with me, cause I'm at least very perceptive with how, my community views uh, certain characters and the one person in the game they always had something to say about was Zavala. And myself as someone who has a military background, I can see and understand the professional side of what he's trying to work on and uphold and everything. But my community always, and as well as many other people uh, would view him as the man who didn't avenge Cade. And I caused a lot of, anger, a lot of outrage and a lot of resentment towards this character that I personally felt did not deserve what was going on. But now with what's going on with this season, now we have a little more backstory. And I feel like whenever he saw what was happening with Cade, that caused some pull back some trauma from that time through that story that we just discovered. 
and it's getting a lot more people to actually think there was like, huh, there's a little more depth to this character. There's a little more. Maybe I start to understand why they didn't do what they did. And we're like, we need to hold the ground. We need to hold here. And those who can handle it, I'll let them handle it. This season has been more about just adding depth to anything else. Nothing, in my opinion, nothing particularly outstanding has happened to push the story along other than we are now getting to see the insides of each of these characters' minds. And that in and of itself is a very, very powerful narrative device. So I'm really, really excited to see it finally being used because we haven't really had any of that. We've had more of the uh, line of dialogue where, oh, this thing happened and we're all really, really upset. That's it. We've never actually gone in and delved into the mental health of these characters, what they have gone through. Pros, Avala, Keitel, these characters that have been coming to the forefront for a while, while, while haven't actually had any exploration. So now we're getting to see that and I'm loving it. Yeah, you mentioned the depth and I agree a hundred percent for me. The depth is very interesting, very new to the game, right? Like in the past, the game has been fairly shallow in terms of the story and the depth beyond, you know, like what you get in game. There was depth in the lore, but it wasn't directly in the game, in the story. And now there's more of a renowned focus on that, which I really, really enjoy this season. I think they really started to. Yeah, I really think they started to explore it more with Crow uh, during Season of the Lost, where uh, Savathun started to kind of pick at this man and just start to watch him unravel. And then in season of the risen, we saw without any spoilers, uh, the big thing that happened that caused a little bit of rearrangement in the tower. A little bit, a little bit, right? Yeah, a little bit. But it was when that event happened, it was a big shocker, right? Because it was just so outlandish because normally it's, oh, this person's been killed or this thing has been shut down. But now it's a little mix of the two. But. There's a little bit of the mind that's going on that caused something like this, something drastic, something shocking, and in some ways horrific to happen. Because in the end, I think the biggest villain that nobody ever thinks about is themselves. You are your own worst enemy. Your mind is probably the most terrifying place in the world. That's why things like uh, amnesia, dementia, things that like diseases and illness that originate from the mind are some of the most terrifying things in the world. Because it originates from the mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's why Deezen has resonated so well with people is because all of the, or at least many of these things that these characters are going through, there is a high likelihood that you've experienced a similar emotion, maybe not the same, like it obviously like i hope that you didn't kill someone then got shot and then got resurrected and got all your memories back but like worry about the underlying emotion behind all of that <laughs> like yeah, i i fought a robot in space it was harsh but me and me and a uh well i guess he wasn't a robot um, 
a guy I shot a guy that shot my robot friend. Yeah, that did happen to me personally right, right. in life. That was a real. <laughs> and how does that, that make that you feel? To? <sighs> I mean, I just see your resolute just laid out on the couch, just like little <laughs> thing of snacks on a table right next to him. <laughs> Elsie's just she's just sitting there just like with the like notes pushing like glasses up the brim of her nose just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, continue yeah <laughs> but I, I fully agree with what you were saying Elsie like what, what we've got yeah. going on with Crow we were experiencing guilt because of the person who he used to be and trying to mm-hmm. uh fix that with the man he is now with Zavala, we've got regret. We've got a weird mixture of guilt in there as well, but it's mainly regret and uh, grief. Yeah. And now with Keitel, we have pride and downfall. At least that's what I'm pulling from it. No, I I, I feel a pretty similar thing. It's, it's about with Keitel. What I yeah, with Keitel, what I felt a lot is it's almost like the exact opposite. Of what's going on with Crow. Crow is like scared of the man that he used to be and he wants to make it right. But Keitel, like, she knows that she went through that journey and she knows that she's changed and she's trying to defend that change instead of listening to people like Gaul and people like Callus that she should have remained who she was, you know, a fearless cabal warrior that doesn't negotiate and just goes into a universe and kills like she's transformed. And instead of crow trying to make up for the actions of their past self, Kyle is trying to own it. And Kyle is trying to like prove to people that that change was necessary. And she's facing a lot of difficulty with that. It's, it's almost like a, I don't know if I would call it imposter syndrome, but it does get a little bit close to that. I mean, well, she would go ahead. Yeah, sorry. She's, I think, seeing that if she carried on the way that Gaul and the Nightmares of Gaul and Callus are suggesting, she's no better than the Hive, and she's trying to defend her people from the Hive. And she like she's it's that sort of like I could become exactly what I hate sort of thing. Like if she she sees that down that road, it's nothing but the same as sword logic. She's just conquering worlds for the sake of conquering worlds. Like how different mm-hmm. is that than what? the hive did to Terra Bottle and what they did to her. And she sees like, we, we stop being like we are. We get out of this, we survive. And that's like a very similar thing to what they've shown us with what the Elixni that, you know, moved into the, um, um, the Batsa district, right? Like they're, they're the ones who decided like we change, we change and we survive. Like, and it's, it's a different thing. Cause this is like, it gets a little lost in it, but it's a very like apocalyptic, grimdark story where we have these, all of these different groups of, of beings that have survived these things because of the traveler and because of the, the darkness, because of the light and the darkness. And it's, it, they're converging on our planet where the story is happening to us, to the, these characters. And it's, it's really interesting to see them come like, in that way and get sort of folded together and we see all these similarities and all these pieces come together so yeah i feel like i'm, I'm just rambling a little bit about how no you're you're good but i also think it's giving i think it's giving the destiny community something that 
I feel has been missing for a while, and that is a proper connection to the story because uh, I'm a bit of a writer myself. And one thing that I feel is a very, very powerful tool in narr- uh, in a narrative is a way to connect and invest a player in the story. It's not just investing someone in a wording of I want to know what happens next. You want to invest someone in the characters. You want them to relate to characters to feel that strife. So now you don't just want to know what happens to a story. You want to know what happens to this unique character. And that causes what a lot of fan fiction that comes out from uh, communities of certain uh, uh, IPs and such. You get stories about uh, these characters and how their lives change and go on after the story has ended. It has nothing to do with the overarching plot of that IP. It is now their own unique story. That is how a lot of communities start to gain depth of their own. So being able to see us actually develop interest and depth into these characters causes us a way to invest a little further and get a little closer to the story that Bungie is trying to tell. That's really well said. And on a slightly different topic, we also talked about mental health and the importance of it. And Bungie actually brought mental health to light in this week's TWAB but also in the story, as we noted. And this question is more for iResolute. And I know that you're pretty involved with Guardians Mental Health, a pretty important organization to support the mental health um, clause and the education of it. And I'm curious, why is mental health important? And what is the mission behind Guardians Mental Health. So, yeah, I mean, I, there's a, probably a handful of people who are much more qualified to, to rattle that off than I am. Um, I mostly just move pixels around for GMH. I, I do layouts of things that our, our mental health professionals and our director work on. I get to offer a little bit of insight here and there. Um, and I, thankfully, they've let me get some uh, trainings and some, some, uh, educational stuff that has been really helpful in understanding the space. I am by far, of like far and away, I'm not an expert on this on that topic. I'm I'm an expert at making graphics and stuff. But like, I, I think it's important because it's. I mean, aside from the obvious, in that it is like the mental health and physical health are two sides of the same coin. They're of how you exist as a person on this planet and i would say in a lot of ways we've probably haven't focused on that really well um throughout the history of humanity mental health is sort of not well understood and not well focused on um i know just from my own personal reading that like actual physical brain architecture and knowledge and physiology is not even really understood like it's a it's a newish thing it's it hasn't been focused on for a long time and it becomes important because like we're finding that it's it touches everything you know like and there are ways to have other things like sort of combine with mental health awareness and care and like that 
we didn't ever expect before. One of the things I think that happens a lot that I hear a lot about GMH and that I hear a lot about Destiny is that people are finding, and you know, to, to be fair, I have heard this about every kind of community I've been in before. Art communities, mountain biking communities, all sorts of different things. Like, um, I have seen people say that having these things as a focal point, having a community-based focal point, having a group that they can become comfortable with and find peers and find emotional connection with is incredibly important. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why human beings do that with the things that they like doing, but I think it's really cool that they do. I've always been really proud of the work that GMH is doing because they're exploring a place that is not well understood, both in terms of we got Dr. Goku, um, Jean-Luc, and Matt, um, who do most of our metal, mental health, like sort of medical and official side of things, right? Like Goku's a trained and licensed um, clinical therapist, and Matt's a social worker in New York. He does a lot of uh, the programming. They do a lot of the programming together that creates these things that are for people inside this community inside the game like they've met each other there they have these other you know interests they're they're a whole person outside of the game but like inside thing and they get to this community and one of the things i think that joe and goku and matt like really figured out early on was that there was just no foundation for support for certain things and they just started building what they could underneath people underneath these systems of streaming and playing games online. Um, I think everybody on this call and everybody listening, you know, can probably relate some story of a time when like safety and mental health were not taken super seriously as part of an internet community or game. Something bad happened. We see things like swatting. We see things like abuse online that are like rampant and having a force that is trying to counteract having groups that are playing together that are being respectful and understanding and welcoming is a it's a it's it seems kind of simple when you lay it out like that but like that's one of the things i think gmh is trying to do and they lead by example by doing that and we get a lot of people who that need spaces like that they need places where they aren't judged we need places where they get support from folks whether it's small things or big things and you know gmh is not like it is not a substitution for mental health but it is like a place where you can get started right and i think a lot of the stuff that i've helped work on from the design side has pushed in that direction and it's been a thing that i think i have consciously worked on with them and vouched for and tried hard to make a big part of the things we offer, like the mental health kits. We got to partner with Bungie and do one for that. But we've also recently tried to branch out and work with some other groups as well. We tried uh, looking at Wounded Warrior and seeing if they could help us reach a certain subset group, right? Like we know, like um, Alpha, you were talking, you're, uh, it sounds like you, you've uh, served and you're a veteran and like you found something in destiny that relates to that and we've actually seen that a lot like and who have 
that that kind of connection to this sort of simulation that we interact in, but also to like the stories and themes that are being presented inside it. And it meshes with their personal experience and their community based experiences. And we're always trying to find some place to help folks, even with the, just the basics, if we can help with at least the basics, maybe that helps them graduate and it helps them branch out and do more things. And, you know, getting partnership, partnership, getting to, collaborate with Bungie and having them react and respond in a way that like you're saying uh, like they even added it to the TWAB again today right this is something they added to the feed inside the game when the tips it talks about going to the website and finding the stuff that Goku and Matt and Joe helped them curate to put on the website right to put on their website and most game companies don't do anything like that like they don't do anything like that at all. They don't even like they don't even bring it up. So the fact that Bungie is doing that, the fact that GMH is doing pieces of that is like I'm really proud of that. I'm I'm really happy that's happening inside this community and you know, I hope it goes further. I hope it becomes something that every online game, you know, takes seriously. Every online community takes seriously and respects moderation and I don't mean moderation as in terms of like only doing only playing a little, which is maybe a different topic, but like moderating their spaces, keeping their spaces safe and welcoming and functional um, is, a, is something I hope that we do a lot more of. Yeah, and I, I think that speaking personally, Guardian's mental health has helped me a lot in terms of figuring out a lot of mental health things that I did not consider in the past. Um, and the resources that you all create for the entire destiny community and not only the destiny community but just gamers everywhere it's it's pretty inspiring and the fact that you're able to take part in that and to help bring that vision to life it's it's inspiring and thank you for everything that you do over at guardians mental health and and thank you to the entire team yeah i i know the i know the guys that that keep the lights on there are really proud of what they do. Um, average Joe, Dr. Goku and, and Matt, <clears throat> um, they all, they all put a ton of work and effort into it. They all do. And even as, like the mods, the volunteers, there's so many like people possible to name them all. Also, I don't know all of them. So <laughs> but yeah, they do so much and i a lot of times i feel like they do a lot more so i'm i'm glad you feel that way and you know the, all the thanks goes like all the gratitude should go to those folks the volunteers we have our mods the folks that are actually building those kits and getting them to people like it's it's huge they do a really good job um and i'm happy to make the art for it. i'm glad i get to do that because it feels like a good way to contribute love it so slightly different topic what would you all say are some of your proudest achievements in the Destiny community? Alpha, do you want to kick things off? Ooh, I don't know, man. I've I've had the pleasure of being able to be involved with uh, a lot of things. I've had the pleasure of uh, helping countless guardians through things like raids, through grandmasters. Uh, but I would have to say, if anything, uh, just the community that I've made over on Twitch uh, has been one of the proudest things I've ever done. Uh, 
I get so many compliments from other creators. Uh, they go out and they try and be what I try and say all the time is be all the good in the world uh, that you want to see. And they go out and they're making sure people are okay, that people are having a good time, that people that uh, need help or are struggling, like new guardians that are lamenting that they'll probably never get to the level of, like you say, like our top creators or people that you see on the front lines of content creation for Destiny. They're pulling out these crazy skating moves. They're pulling out these crazy damage builds. And these new lights are coming in. They're like, oh, I'll never do that. And people will just be like, nope, nope, you can do it here. We'll, we'll teach you how to do it. So I would have to say just being able to do that and just being able to help people has been one of the proudest things I've ever been able to do. That's so cool. And how many guardians have you helped? Do you know? I've lost count. Um, I know during season of The Chosen, was one season I dedicated entirely to GM helps. Um, and that was also the season I did videos like how to be a better raider, uh, how to work on certain builds and stuff like that. I did a lot of teaching during that time, but I would have to say, I think that season alone, I ran, and this is a small number, but it's incredible to me. I ran over 100 GM helps in over the space of two weeks. That's a lot. Yeah, it was it was insane. I did That's literally nothing. I was it was around the time. No number, I had, man. <laughs> yeah, it was around the time I was coming out of the military. Um, I was still going to college. I had all my classes in the mornings and afternoons. I would dedicate to uh, I would dedicate to streams and I would dedicate it to uh, grandmasters like there was like, I don't know specifically, like I'll disclaim this. I don't know if it was exactly a hundred or so, but I know like halfway through halfway through the season, I actually decided, huh, I should probably start tracking this. Yeah. And around that time, it was like three weeks or so. I did like 68 helps. Like, I, I know there's there's ways to track some of it through like emblems, like how many like completions you've done or and I know like raid report will show you Sherpas in raids, but I don't know if there's one for GMs. I've never I know there's like GM GM report and all that, but that doesn't track helps like Sherpas and all that like a uh, raid report does. So I do a lot of GM. I like I said, I live in I live in the end game. I love GMs. I love raids. Anytime I get a chance to do that, I'm in there. Um, and so getting to like getting to actually help people gets lost in that. Because I could farm like I think at one point I was doing like 15 minute uh, clears on corrupted, and I would just farm that for specific weapons. So. Like I count less on how many I've helped and I'm just happy with the fact that I've been able to help some people get through uh, raids and dungeons and grandmasters for their first time. Uh, just the other day, I think we actually helped someone complete their first raid ever. And they were just they were like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do well or, oh, I'm probably going to hold you back. And we're like, no, shut up. We're taking yeah. you through this. You're going to crush it. And what did they do? Yeah. They crushed it. People yeah. put too many limitations on themselves, and I hate saying that. I, 
Yeah, totally. We, I've definitely, uh, being somebody that's done raid helps, I we had a friend who we took them through their second clear just this past weekend, and their first one had been with us uh, about a month or so before that. And, you know, they, I especially like recently, um, uh, Deepstone Crypt and Vow of the Disciple are like imminently teachable raids. And they are... Oh, yeah. It is so fun to get people involved because a lot of the earlier raids, it was like you the weight of a mechanic was on a single player per encounter sometimes. And it would yeah. just be, you'd have someone that would be like, don't worry, you just stay there and clear out everything. It's like, okay, cool. Like those are, those are interesting encounters. They're fun to, to get through. It feels like great achievements, but like teaching people the descent encounter in Deepstone Crypt and then being able to take a group through and just say to them, we're doing chaos mode and seeing everybody <laughs> fall in and like hit a roll. And Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like, just like, stroll through that and someone someone's shouting like, I'm deactivated. I, I gotta drop I gotta drop the suppressor buff. And someone's like, I'm gonna jump on it. Like, they, they get there, they pick it up, they, they run the roll, <laughs> you know, they switch off. And it's it's similar in Vow. There's these like especially in the exhibition encounter, which by far one of the hardest encounters, like to oh, yeah. to learn and to ever to get a, a team through that I've ever played. It is just so fun to see a team finally like clutch a run and know that like ah, they just every single person pulled something off to get that run, and it's just oh. it's so fun to have those opportunities. Yeah. So I actually had I think this is actually yesterday. Uh, I was getting a raid group together and someone came in and then last second, as soon as we get into the first encounter, they're like, oh, we don't, I've never done this raid before. Uh, so someone's going to have to tell me what to do. So that blew me back. So I went ahead and just explained the whole raid going through each encounter and we got it done. And then we had another run planned and they wanted to swap characters and get more loot and come to exhibition I go, okay, we all know what we're doing. We're doing chaos mode. And that same player that came in like brand new is like, uh, I don't think I can do it. It's like, do you know how the encounter's done? They're like, yeah. I'm like, guess what? We're doing it. And what happened? We didn't wipe once. We got it first try. And he sat nice. there and he was like, huh, that was way, that was not as bad as I was expecting. And I said, dude, everybody comes into ex exhibition thinking it's terrible because people have so much trouble doing it. But if you know how to how everything works, all you need to know is what are my other players doing? What's my position? I'm going to go do this. And sure, they had like maybe one screw up whenever we go into third room. We actually had four players on one side and two on the other. But they were able to recognize that and just move out. So it's just so great to see these people develop as better players, as better raiders. Yeah. and just survive in the end game whenever before it was the most daunting thing to them it was like this giant wall they would never surmount now it's just a bump in the floor and they're walking through and it's just it's like a proud papa moment and i love it so much
it's funny that you mentioned that um thing of an encounter like from the outside from seeing other people doing it seeming so difficult to pull off uh which is why like you're scared to do it and it's still happening today with riven uh because in my opinion still the Riven fight is one of the most geniusly crafted fights in the whole game. Oh, I love it so much. It's absolutely it, amazing. It but, makes me so sad whenever someone wants to cheese it. Yeah, same here. Because the the issue is the memory that at least most veteran players have of Riven is watching the few teams that got past Vault crack at Riven on day one at 25, 30 levels under and just not being able to get past her, right? Yeah. And that hurdle, as soon as people discovered, oh, we can cheese this boss, people throw out the experience of the full encounter and they're just like, well, I just want to get my loot. That encounter seems scary, but what I've always done back in the day when I was still teaching Last Wishes, I would get everyone to Riven like we would do the encounters before that and we would get to Riven and then I would ask the whole team okay there's two things we can do here most people that you will play this game with if you are doing LFG they will cheese this encounter but there's a lot more to it and the experience is worth it so what I would do is I would teach them how Riven legit worked if it ever got bad I would teach them the cheese because, you know, I don't want to keep people hostage in a raid if it's like absolutely just not going well, they're not feeling it, and there's another way to do it. Obviously, I'm just going to give them the other way to do it. Yeah, obviously. I don't want to keep them around. But what I would do is I would, if we would get past it legit, I would finish the raid, and then after that I'd say, okay, well, let's wish wall back to Riven. I'll show you guys how to do the cheese. And then after that I'd ask them, okay, so which one of those two do you prefer? And they said, well, the legit version, because it was way more fun to do. Sure, the cheese was like the cheese is fun once, seeing that health bar just absolutely deplete instantly. Like that that gives some sort of dopamine rush, right? Oh yeah. Uh but at the end of the day, like I mostly do raids for the experience. The loot is cool. Exactly. Obviously, it's a looter shooter. Like you play for like the loot is your reward for playing. Obviously, you play partially for the loot, but like uh, just this week, I have finished the final boss of Vow. I think seven times since the weekly reset Tuesday, and obviously, I only got loot for those three times. How many times did you get kicked? Zero. <laughs> I, I don't believe you. Everyone no. that has gone into Vow has gone up to Rogue once and said, I "Kick me." Means, I think he means, yeah, kicked by the boss, not kicked from the game. Oh, oh, absolutely. No, Do you by mean the boss? By oh no, absolutely. I go up to him all the time. <laughs> absolutely, I, I go there myself. <laughs> but Bungie knew what they were doing. Bungie knew what they were doing. Yeah. Is always to try to grab aggro first and pull, try to pull him away from the team because I slave <laughs> duty up there, but like. I love the way they programmed him so he like you can actually see him. He's so big and you can yeah. see him look at the person that he's going to aggro on and he's so animated. Oh man. He's, he's so one big. of the first bosses that feels like a boss that fights back, that is actually fighting. Exactly. You. It like, actually fights back instead of just standing in one spot. Yeah, there's so <laughs> many bosses that don't feel like they fall back. Like it that they just go, yeah. Oh no, you broke my shield, whatever 
yeah. 30 seconds except for expose my crit spot in a convenient location that you can shoot. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get it, obviously. Every one of his engines, <laughs> nuclear waste <laughs> just falling out of them. Oops, all my fuel. Ah. Oh no, whatever will I do? And he's completely silent. In the, in the current, uh, in Val, like... During before you get to the dance floor, he is taunting you. Rolk is taunting you, and this yeah, last week he says to he says to me, oh, "I'm going to take a nap." And I'm like, "What? How dare you? We're here fighting, <laughs> like, bro. The, I did not need your sass right now. Come okay, on. I have dealt but, with five yeah. other people. My social meter is about to tick out. Like, I am going to kill you and turn you into a gun." <laughs> We took we took your boy down on the other floor. You made us run through your art museum. You get, I, I get am tired of your... Tell me you're going to take a nap, sir. <laughs> I will have none of this. I am, I am tired of your garbage. <laughs> it's if just you want to step contrast. on me, I will step on you. <laughs> the contrast between Rolk and some other bosses, like, Rolk has, like, two parts of his fight. The first part of his fight, like, he does all of his attacks, like, he throws massive beams over the whole stage and like that's what you'd expect from most raid bosses but in most cases as soon as that phase is over like he just falls down and you get to damage him for however many seconds and then he goes back up standing there right like it's different yeah but in rolk's case like it's genuinely you go up and he's like all right I'm done fighting you with some simple beams, and he just comes down and kicks your ass, right? Yeah, it's just that feeling of... Yeah, like, I don't think I've ever felt as threatened by a raid boss, at least on day one, as by Rolk. Because, like, on day one, 20 levels under, you got hit by the boot. You got the boot. (laughs) Literally. Like, you were done. (laughs) Teaching people not to approach to like do revives there is yeah. it, it is so hard because it is they've they turned that engagement 180 on you where it's like oh no your 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 partner's down you've got to go support them and it's like you rush it and he just starts destroying just people. nailing like, into he uses that against you and it's so interesting because yeah. you're hardwired as a player yeah. you're hardwired <laughs> you have a guardian down you have a revive token so your immediate thought is i can go res him but you've also got that timer like it's yeah, like it a two, it's a two I, minute timer to go and raise your player. Otherwise, it's over. This, yeah, you, like you get you get you get pushed in that direction because it's like all of those encounters are about timing, and you got to like clutch. You got to get it like super fast, and you know they they find ways. I love the way that the raids have, especially since around like Deepstone and Vogue and now Val, like they have found ways to mess with our expectations and to mess with the things that they have shown us are core to like defeating encounters and succeeding in the game. Like they're they they make like even the new dungeon has this like the overwhelming odds that you deal with in the boss fight and in the second um in the in the mid boss is just like Man, like they, they have found so many interesting ways to take this content and make it challenging for us. They found a way to manipulate the atmosphere and use it, which is something that mm-hmm. really, really works. There's something yeah. that I really love about duality specifically, and that is that in most dungeons, like there's barely any encounter in any dungeon where you are genuinely on a timer. 
right? Because mm. dungeons are supposed yeah. to be soloable, and the nice part about soloing is that you can take your time. Sure, there's some timers like when you pick up one of those engrams in Grasp, or when you pick up one of the yeah. petitioner's marks in, in Vorgeth and Shattered Throne, but the cool part about duality is that literally like your play style is a duality because when you're outside you are taking your time you are killing ads slowly you are hiding in cover when you're solo and you are making sure that everything is just going right but the moment that you ring that bell you have it's go time to do whatever it is that you need to do and it's go time and you don't have time to hide behind cover or deal with ads that could potentially be a threat to you unless they absolutely need to be killed like uh, there's, you there's even ads in that encounter that reduce the amount of time you get if you exactly if you shoot yeah, the wrong if you kill the wrong if you one. shoot the wrong scion yeah. at least at least and, whenever you're trying to go in and grab the banners it's it's a lot easier not having to deal with that and being able to take out the snipers when you're actually in damage phase yeah it's it's yeah, hard it's to just issue is like but watch out if you do kill those when you go back in like you might lose some of your time on this boss so they're 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 messing with those expectations there again where it's like you get taught one behavior and then immediately you get like a, a little bit of a bait and switch on you that makes it more challenging even exactly so it's chef's kiss very perfect also yeah. I, I think those encounters i believe they said this a couple of expansions ago or one expansion ago that they were going to have the team that was doing some of the raid encounters do the dungeon encounters as well and it definitely yep. it feels it, like feel some of the timing stuff is like those were much more common in the raid encounters because the raid encounters end up feeling like pieces of music that you kind of have to learn your part in and then mm -hmm. perform and then like the dungeon was always a bit more about exploration and like mechanics but a lot of those like the duality i love that it's it's both right it, it really blends these concepts together and we have like two different things going on I, I don't expect all of them will be exactly like that because it's very particular to the way duality is but like Wait, it's you know, yeah you know, that just having having that same kind of depth and like complexity is just amazing yeah I said that when Duality first came out, like after we beat it for the first time and after we finished the master mode day one, like I said, Duality is the first dungeon that feels like it actually accomplishes what the like design philosophy of a dungeon is, which is yeah. it is essentially a raid that you can do solo or with up to three players. Like all the other dungeons, they have mechanics, but those mechanics feel more like things that you would do to make a public event heroic or things that you would do in like a slightly more complicated strike it never really felt like the things i was doing in grasp of avarice that didn't feel like a raid because at the end of the day it was just you are picking up things that drop on the ground from enemies that you kill and you are standing next to a circle to deposit them it the mechanic works very well, and it's obviously really cool seeing all those exotic engrams drop out of the roof of the building, right? But yeah. it didn't feel like a raid to me. Duality's mechanics feel like if you just cranked them up a little bit, added a few extra things here and there, and increased the fire team size to six, you would have a raid, right? When yeah, I was sure. like what you were talking about, like you have to like learn your piece of the piece of the music, your part of the music, and then perform that correctly. Duality feels like you actually have like something to learn and then something to execute. Every time you ring that bell to go into the nightmare realm, you have 
a path that you've set in your head. I need to go here. I need to do this thing. And then I need to go back and it needs to happen quickly because otherwise I'm dead. Like that kind of tension where you have a very specific thing that you need to do. And if not, that is a fail state. Like that doesn't really happen in many other dungeons because if you make a small mistake, you can just recover it usually because you're not on a timer. You're not on a wipe mechanic. There's nothing going on like that. But in duality, it actually feels like every single second that you spend, at least in the Nightmare Realm, is important. And if you're not careful, yeah. like you will be punished. And that level of punishment doesn't exist that much in the other dungeons, which is fine because those dungeons have their own feel and they're still incredibly fun to play. But duality is the first one for me that really hit that, oh, this is a raid light and not this is a public event plus, right? There's a, yeah. a difference it, in those two. Even more so, I think, than the old layers. Like, the dungeon, mm -hmm. this dungeon especially, and the other dungeons recently have been, like, these are, I think these are good, like, chunks, right? They're, they're really, they're, they're discrete kinds of things. Like, raids, if you really get them down, can take 40 minutes, right? Because you're doing, it's like a six-minute segment, a three-minute segment, a seven minute segment, a four minute segment. And like, if you do them right and the traversal in between them, they can be pretty quick. Right. But they're also, they are meant to be a certain duration. And then dungeons are able to hit that other sort of, it's like bigger than a strike, smaller than a raid. And it, it was a bit confused before that, right. Where we had like these raid layers and we had the raids and yeah. then there was the strikes and the nightfalls. And it was almost like the gradient wasn't, really whole in terms of like the different kinds of things you can engage with both in like the terms of player count and complexity and challenge level and i think they've done a really good job of putting those together in ways that like we understand the expectations when we go into them it's like oh this one's this one's going to be about this long it's going to be this kind of encounter and be this kind of boss fight and you know it just comes together masterfully lately so uh, i'm curious on the topic of raids what is everyone's favorite raid in the Destiny franchise? Are we and talking D1 or D2? Everything. Everything. Ooh. We talk everything. Give me a moment to think on that. I, mine has always been pretty, pretty set in stone, and I don't think it'll ever change personally. Mine has always been Last Wish. Val got close. Val did things extremely well, and it gave me, like, the level of mechanical complexity that last wish had um and also that like rates like king's fall had but the reason that last wish specifically sits on top for me is because it's one of the only raids in the whole game where it feels like every encounter stands on its own every exactly, single encounter yeah. has like its own unique mechanic in a lot of the other raids and that's obviously intended you have this one mechanic that gets introduced in encounter one and then it gets built upon in the next encounter and then everything finally culminates uh like in a final boss and that's the raid but for last wish it feels like every encounter has like its own thing kali has like the plates and the doors you don't see those ever again um shirochi has like the the bingo puzzle that you have to complete and the plates that damage you you never see those ever again um morgeth i guess has like 
things that you do see again you see the taken strength back in queen's walk obviously the eye of riven is used in multiple encounters but every single encounter has a main mechanic and that main mechanic is not used anywhere else in the entire raid which makes it feel like such a full experience to me and then obviously ending with the riven fight and then immediately after the Riven going into that final escort section, which I'm kind of sad they've never done anything like that again because it's such a cool oh, ending to so the raid. Like, you kill the final boss and you're not done. Like, right. that's just I mean, that's always just been so cool to me. It's definitely like I think Last Wish is kind of of a moment, and that moment was the design of the Dreaming City. And mm -hmm. like, you're, you're pointing out that like the the repetition and some of the mechanics of that actually come from that whole designed environment rather than the sort of escalation or like complexity of the raid itself. You know, like they, the dreaming city was like a masterpiece of design, having the raid be like a pinnacle part of that design and not just a pinnacle activity in terms of challenge, but like, the culmination of things from like the blind well and the environmental design of the like the awoken's temples and oh, it's just like that raid is amazing for what it is um because of where it sits with the rest of that stuff too it's just oh. it, it's it was the expansion's perfect fit for like the pinnacle piece of end game activity like it tied the whole i feel like it tied the whole release of forsaken together like everything that came before the raid in forsaken led to you going into the dreaming city and slaying riven and everything that came after that like the curse and all of the talks that the you have with laura at the oracle the shattered throne like it tied the whole expansion together and then yeah and the dreaming also, city locked and hard until you got mm -hmm. to a certain part like it was like a, a different kind of challenge being revealed. I remember going to that zone for the first time and being like, holy crap, they just, like, I expected to be, like, the most powerful thing, and I just campaign, and now I do the hard stuff, but I'm overpowered, and it's like, nope. It's just, <laughs> you're getting your head beat in. And I yeah. think the coolest yeah. thing... Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, no, that was, that was it. That was done. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think one of the coolest things that I wish they did more was the Dreaming City mod and the Blessing, which we haven't really seen since then, or at least in that capacity, is the fact that you get this really cool-looking armor, but it's locked with a, a mod that gives you, double, it gives you double damage, but you also receive that double damage. So it's a give and take. It's, you can hit harder with this, but you're getting hit harder as well and whenever you're taking that into say something like shattered throne back then it would it would hit like an absolute dump truck but then you finally get to get the blessing and you're dealing out that double damage without that uh what you call it without the that detriment yeah you get you get the benefits none of the disadvantages and it just felt like something that was so worth to grind out but now that we're a little ways into the game, you go into Dreaming City and I actually helped someone do Wish Ender and going through the bosses were a joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of happens. I mean, that sometimes even happens with the 
like the the big ones when you when you they're still pinnacle they're still challenge whatever but then you you just get so good at taking them out that it becomes you know just a matter of like oh we we hit the stride right away and it's done and it's cleared mm-hmm. yeah and yeah, honestly that's why is, I feel that way too that's why like i appreciate raids that like go super mechanical because exactly there's like there's raids like uh, scourge of the past raids like uh deep stone crypt was decently mechanical uh eater of worlds for example raids that don't have super heavy mechanics to them and if you can learn them then all that stands between you and the end of the raid is just dealing a load of damage to a target and the better that you get at that and the more uh involved that your builds get and the more detailed that your builds get specifically for that raid the easier it becomes but with a raid like vow and with a raid like last wish if you do everything legit that is like the difficulty from those raids after day one doesn't come from having a build that is specifically tailored towards the raid or having enough damage to kill a boss or to kill a lot of targets the difficulty from that raid comes from executing everything executing all the mechanics like the 20 step plan that's required to beat exhibition for example like you can have the best ad clear build in the whole game like kill literally every single enemy in the room in the span of three seconds and that's great but if you can't do exhibitions mechanics and if you can't work together as a team you're still not beating that encounter and Mm -hmm. that's why raids like last wish king's fall vow even hell even spire stars was a raid that i loved a lot despite its many like bugs and and issues that it had when it worked the valka or boss fight inspire was one of my favorite boss fights of the time because exactly everyone was doing something and no matter how much damage you had there were so many steps to that fight and you were always doing something different because you always got a different role assigned by the game and if you did not know how to play your part in that fight that you were assigned five seconds ago the whole team would fall apart. No matter that you had like Wardcliffe Coil with a catalyst that would instantly nuke the boss to death, you'd have to get there first. Exactly. I think, uh, what you call it, going back to Last Wish, uh, actually, I would say about a year ago, I had the pleasure of three-manning it for my first time, and that was probably Mm -hmm. one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. Uh, And it was just, I think, the most fun I had on that was actually with uh, Morgath uh, because we actually set ourselves a challenge and we said, we want to one phase this boss. Uh, and we ended up doing it. We ended up doing it. It took us a couple tries. We had to uh, really, really delve into our builds. We had to know how the mechanics worked, how to uh, work with the taken strength. And in some cases we manipulated the taken strength. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, but whenever you go through uh, and you have two stacks of taken strength, if you pull out Sentinel Titan and you pull yep. the shield out and you pass through the taken strength, you actually get taken strength times three and it doesn't kill you. Yep. And that's how yeah. you can manipulate the whole fight. The same thing used to be possible back in season of the worthy with queen's walk i ended up managing to solo 
queen's walk that way because what you could do is Ow. normally if if everyone is stuck inside the heart right uh the wiping starts right the screen goes red and you die yeah because there's no one outside to pick up the heart anymore but if you somehow manage to execute a finisher on an enemy the same moment you got teleported in it would teleport you back out but that white mechanic would still kill you because there was no one outside for a brief moment so what you would do is you would pull out sentinel shield and guard to block that and then you would have acd zero feedback fences on and let thralls punch you so that they would get lower health so that you could finish them and then run your whole way through the queen's walk eventually making it to the end like it it, low low guardian raid encounters are so much fun trying to really figure out how to bypass some of the rules or like bend the rules of the encounter slightly i like it the most when it doesn't really involve any glitches when you're like doing the encounter as it was made but just figuring out some loophole or some alternate strategy that you can use probably one of the best examples of uh that is on argos like argos was mm-hmm. in either of worlds it was made to have like two people on each side preparing craniums constantly um and obviously if you wanted the most damage you would activate two damage phases like per phase and with two or three people that seems impossible but then you know, you found out that if you use the, you might remember the striking hand mod, you punch mm-hmm. an enemy and you would get some extra damage that affected a cranium, which means that you could shoot two bombs with a cranium instead of one. And just figuring out those tiny things so that you can make something that seems difficult with six people and suddenly do it with two or three, like figuring that all out is so much fun to do. Straight up, straight up. Well said. And I'm curious, a lot of Guardians are farming for some really highly sought-after exotics. And I'm talking about the Vex Mythoclast and (laughs) 1,000 voices. So I'm curious, did you all get your bread, and how many runs did it take for you? Uh, more importantly, it only took me like seven runs to get anarchy. So <laughs> okay, you're, you're fired. I'm kicking and you out. Anarchy is broken right now. I don't know if you. Guys yeah, it's, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. more damage. It's, it's like it's like it used to be before they nerfed. It's so good. Um, I blew all my raid exotic luck on the earlier raids in the game now at least because it's out of the game for now so get it from the kiosk but uh yeah i have vex i got it probably that one probably took like 20 or 30 plus clears easy um i think maybe even a little bit more than that or no no no, i'm sorry deep uh eyes took me like 20 or 30 to get easy i think it took me like 50 runs 38 or something like that vex was 17 18 maybe 20 something like that i want to say and i got the i got collective obligation after like recently i usually have i don't knock on wood i usually have pretty good (laughs) how is collective obligation i'm curious i i Mm, that is is not my play style i will (sighs) granted that there there might be someone who's very 
technical and very like ability activation minded i tend to play a bit of a more passive like perk style and um i i tend to spec for speed and resiliency and always have even this season's meta and season's updates but like it's not for me but it does something (laughs) (laughs) i do a lot of builds so i do a lot of builds and i would have to say collective obligation is probably the most situational weapon in the game uh Uh because with collective obligation in order to actively uh use its perk which is the leeching and applying it to other enemies you have to constantly be throwing out volatile you constantly have to be throwing out weakening you constantly have to be pulling that and then applying that and even whenever you have uh all three in your gun and you apply it to someone you expect it because if you have something with weakening draining and volatile you expect an instant nuke right not the case it feels very lackluster even whenever you get the stars to align properly so personally it's not for me and anytime i get it in a raid and i get it a lot i delete it (laughs) yeah i'd say like mytho is probably a pretty good example of my i've always tended to play with ar and um i was a shotgun rusher for a long time in the crucible and i've been trying to pull away from that or a lot of reasons, but um, <laughs> mainly just because was it the I, threats I that were being sent to you, or was it your own quality <laughs> no, that pulled you away? <laughs> um, the, the nerfs really changed a lot of the ones yeah. I like to use, um, but also fusion rifles have just become more fun. Um, and lately, we've been getting <clears throat> design choices in the Crucible especially for game modes like uh rift and then this uh control uh cat point trials that we had last weekend that were more about like area denial so i was using things like wither horde and um uh what's the the one from vox obscura the grenade launcher with the Uh, dead messenger dead messenger i was gonna say dead man's tail close close like yeah dead messenger and um the uh the raid uh the the vow raid grenade launcher as well so anything that was giving me some area denial because like being able to swap your grenades is, is one thing but those uh you know having something that controls those spaces was a lot more useful so anyway yeah to go back to the raid exotics though like I feel like I used up all my raid exotic luck before Shadowkeep. Uh, I I got my 1k on my very first clear of Last Wish. Uh, I got my Anarchy on like my... It, it was like in week two, so it was somewhere between my fourth and my sixth clear. Uh, and then my Terraba, and this is probably the one that drained it the most. Uh, I did it on all three Guardians in the first like few days of the raid being out. And I got Terraba on all three of them, back to back in the first that's week. That's insane. And I, I oh, feel I like I drained. I feel like I drained my exotic luck there because after that, Eyes of Tomorrow took like thirty, forty. Vex took nearly sixty. Um, and now Collective Obligation's been all right. I got it like near the end of last season. 
but like everyone else said, I haven't really been putting it on. I think I equipped it once, and then I was like, eh, I'd rather go back to my volatile flow funnel web. Exactly. Uh, yeah, like if there's legendary weapons that do the job better, then why waste the exotic slot when you have this beautiful thing called Wither Horde that can go in your kinetic slot? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I have to agree with you, Elsie. I would have to say I had around the same luck. I would say I didn't get it on my first run, but I did get 1K on my second ever run of uh, Last Wish. Uh, on As far as Anarchy goes, I got that on my fourth run, so I got that second week. Um, wow. And then... With Crown getting Teraba was actually a really interesting story. Um, I had actually finally gotten a group to run it with me because everyone was, it was around the time everyone was, you know, complaining about Crown being an ordeal. <laughs> uh, so I went in, I got taught the raid by someone and they ran me through. Uh, and then I went and did a five man Sherpa. So I was the only person in that raid that knew what they were doing. Took them through, and I was the only one that got Teraba. After that, <clears throat> that's whenever things got interesting. Yep. Uh, Eyes of Tomorrow it took me over 50 looted runs to get, and it became a meme in my community that I would never get it. Following that, it took me like 20 runs to get uh, Vex, and then I feel like I charged it back a little bit because I got uh, Collective Obligation on like my sixth or seventh run. Yeah, I, I I kind of like what they're doing with with the like raid and dungeon exotics now. I hope that what they did with the heart shadow sword that they continue doing that on later raids. Yeah, that, like you complete some triumphs and some challenges, and it increases the drop rate. Because thanks to that, I was able to finish off the disruptor title in the first week because I completed all of the triumphs on my titan before even doing the dungeon on the other two characters so that I could potentially get the sword and then get the title done, right? Uh, yeah. And it's stuff like that, that it it rewards you, especially if in raids, like, they could tie it to, you know, doing the challenges on Master Mode or just completing the raid in Master Mode. Or maybe you even get, like, an increased drop, drop rate if you manage to beat the raid on Contest Mode, right? Uh, right. Just as like a tiny extra reward for completing that raid on day one, because that is one hell of an achievement. Um, just I like the idea of having raid exotics as a random drop, because you know the serotonin rush that you get when like you or one of your friends or one of the people you're teaching finally gets that exotic, and you you hear them scream scream out that they got it. Like that serotonin rush is obviously priceless, but I just wish that it was a little less random because exactly. at what point does it become a chore instead of, yeah, and at what point does it become an ordeal instead of, you know, just rolling the dice every week and, and seeing where it lands and hoping that, or and knowing that you get a bit closer every week because with a lot of raid exotics, it doesn't really feel like you get closer every week. Right? Yeah, that was, the, that was the big thing. And one thing that I would like to see um i know that it's some people will heavily disagree with me but i want raid exotics to stop being tied to the title because i know personally for me with uh deep stone crypt i had everything on lock and 
the only mm-hmm. thing that was keeping me from getting that title that coveted title that i wanted was the raid exotic and that was something that was out of my control so while i agree with you fully i hope that they give like triumphs that increase the chance it for it to drop i wanted to stop being linked to that because that just becomes an ordeal and i would like titles to be uh based on things that are completely within your control they reward you for uh achievements not for luck correct me if i'm wrong though but i don't think that the vow of the disciple badge requires collective obligation does it no i just i just checked light gg right now it does not so let me corrected yeah i guess they uh they stopped listening (laughs) real early yeah. Require craftable raid weapons, though. Requires you to every single weapon five times in a row, while it requires twelve drowned elements. Good God! Uh, at least, I, I'm it, glad that at least you don't have to craft them. You just have to get them. You just yeah. have to get them. Yeah. I mean, the the one of the I was actually going to say a positive thing about that. I I didn't mean to be too snarky about it because <laughs> the fact that you can get at least one guaranteed. Um, to drop on each character, and then you can get one. Uh, you can buy one a week, so you're 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 at least cutting down some of that RNG grind. Yeah, and it's yeah. and, and it's it, not everybody's even going to chase that part because not everybody's going to be super crafting instead of like grabbing a, a decent roll. Some people just even want the frame, right? They don't even want, they don't care about the roll. They just want that weapon so yeah it's it's been a, a bit of a ping pong in like some of the deterministic yeah. stuff and some of the some of the fully rng stuff like divinity is a, a great example of a very interesting challenge that doesn't require a lot of like re- like you're not worried about whether or not you're going to get it if you do the requirements you get it right it's a quest yeah. it's not a and it's not that's a a very cool too I honestly, I'm still like, I'm still trying to make up my mind of where I sit when it comes to crafting. Because on the one hand, obviously knowing that you have a direct path to the god roll that you want, that's nice, right? You can, there's a 100% guarantee that if you keep playing and you keep grinding, that you will get a perfect 5 out of 5 weapon with the exact perks and masterwork and everything that you want. That's great. But for me, like I was thinking the other day, why I don't like engaging with crafting as much as I do with just randomly dropped weapons. And that's because every time that you're farming for a weapon and you want to get good perks on it, every time that that weapon drops, you get just a little bit of serotonin, a little bit of hope that like, oh, there it is again maybe it'll have better perks this time, right? And every time, sometimes the weapon is a complete dismantle, garbage, you get rid of it instantly. And sometimes it has like three of the five things that you want and you start using it because it's currently the best version of that weapon you got. And obviously at the end, there's the excitement of getting the perfect or near perfect god roll that you've been looking for. And then you're done with farming. With crafting you kind of lose the entire first half of that because every time you get a weapon to drop, if it's not red, you don't care because it's not going to do anything for you if you are chasing 
a crafted version of a weapon that has better perks than the non-crafted version. Mm-hmm. So you lose like that entire first half of the excitement of getting a weapon. And even when you do get a red one, it doesn't feel like progress to me, at least when you get a randomly rolled weapon and it has like three of the five perks that you want, that feels like progress because the weapon that you have now feels like it's just a little bit better than the previous ones that you got. And you can start using that. And that's something that you can actually properly use when it's a red weapon frame. You just complete the frame, and then you dismantle the weapon, and you wait for the next one to drop. It doesn't feel like you make any progress. And then eventually you have the frame, and then you craft the weapon, and you need to use it for God knows how long to get it to level 20 to unlock like all the perks and all the stat boosts. And then you need to finish 14 other deep sight weapons to get enough resources to put two enhanced perks on it. And then you finally have the weapon that you've wanted to use all this time. So you go from having absolutely nothing, and then instantly you have a weapon. Like, however many weeks later. The whole process doesn't feel like it's a linear process from having nothing to having the weapon. It's just, it's nothing, 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 and there's the weapon. They they pulled out some of the middle requirement that you were just describing, but it is still... It is still a pretty high bar to cross unless you're unless you're doing a lot of completions and get really lucky, you're not gonna be able to engage with the top of that system. And it's I mean it's tough. They didn't cut out balance. the middle part. Cause if you want you to enhance perks, you're gonna need forty two hundred neutral element. And for forty two hundred neutral element, you're gonna need to finish fourteen oh, different deep sight weapons. I thought you were talking about the <laughs> No, not I the special the... Yeah. The, the special yeah, see, like weapon the parts thing, or whatever. It's like they confused it enough that like I, yeah. I legit thought you meant there was a specific because you, you only have to get you could any every single one of the, the raid weapons that you dismantle, you get one of the pieces to be able to craft the raid weapon. And yeah. previously it was still like it was even a random chance if you were going to get element that you needed, which was the other thing that they did take out, because it's like it, it like that system was already a bit of a mountain. And they, they, I mean, they, they admitted early on that they were like, yeah, we screwed up. We didn't actually want it to be that complicated, laying a bunch of that out. And it did take them a little bit to pull it out, but it's like, again, you're right. Like if, if you don't get lucky, you're, you're just not there. You're just, it's, Mm -hmm. and I, I've gotten pretty lucky on the ones I wanted, but like, I know some people it's taken them over a season and a half just to get the one they wanted, you know? So it's like, yeah. It's just like, on average, the time that you spend grinding for like a random rolled god roll and a crafted completed weapon, the average time that you spend on both of those is probably the same. Or at least it probably doesn't... There's probably not too much of a difference between them. It's It's closer than it is further away. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot closer. But the issue is that with crafting, like, that entire path just doesn't feel like progress it doesn't feel rewarding and then suddenly eventually like after however many hours of grinding and however many dozens of umbral engrams focused you suddenly have the weapon right it it feels like the entire path to getting that god roll which is what most looter shooters are based on you know the grind and slowly getting closer to that perfect version of that weapon crafting just kind of 
ruins that path from A to B for me at least like totes oh. and then once you have yes. them like they feel amazing but it's just the journey there just doesn't quite hit for me uh, for the raid weapons at least i've gotten exactly and i i just last week built my submission and that was i wanted to build got the fusion the pulse and the, the sub and those are the ones i wanted and that's cool, but like I, I feel you because on the other end of that, I have almost none of the weapons from the um, Wellspring, which has a couple mm -hmm. that I really wanted, and they just won't drop. And then I also definitely don't have any of the new ones. I, have, I think I've gotten one Red Border Ostringer and one Red Border Mini Tool, maybe. Like, I can't see this is the thing, I can't even remember if it was. That I got, which is, which are the other two what that I want? <clears throat> like I, I'm not really interested in the others. I have a really good crafted fusion in that slot that I like. I have, you know, no need. I don't really snipe, so I don't want any of that stuff. But like, you know, it's hard trying to trying to figure out where exactly those are going to go. And I'm I'm sure they're going to get nudged a lot because that's the kind of thing that it it still feels very new. And it, it also feels like a very cool part of the game that they're definitely not going to take out. They're not just going to rip it out. So they're going to, you know, when they build a, a better version later, it'll probably be a little bit more balanced, too. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think we're definitely getting some kind of an update. Hopefully in the not-too-distant future. And I'm curious, on that note, what is next for you all in your destiny community journey i resolute do you want to kick things off sure yeah um uh, for me it's it's more paintings i i like to stay on sort of on top of what's going on in the season and i just moved so i had to take a bit of a break in in finishing stuff off but stuff's stuff's back on track we're getting i got some commissions that are coming up a really cool pair of uh really actually pretty big warlock pieces that i'll start posting about um pretty soon maybe this weekend uh it kind of depends how quickly they dry up and, and certain things are ready um <clears throat> doing some got some stuff on the on the uh the in the queue for myself that i'm still trying to finish off um, star wars stuff that after kenobi last night i really want to explore of uh images that they've had in a few of the shows that should be pretty fun um what else is going on? Um, got maybe some other Destiny uh, fan art stuff coming up. Working on a project with blueberries.gg that might be coming together pretty soon. We'll see what happens with that. That would be actually a pretty big community thing. Um, and uh, we've been... Guardians Mental Health has a couple things going on. We're going to be at a... A couple weeks ago, they're going to be at... Uh, another couple of events this summer. I think they're looking at TwitchCon. I'm not sure uh, if Joe's still in chat. He might be like saying, "No, we're not going to TwitchCon." Like I don't know. I can't remember which one there. We were planning on doing three different ones across the summertime. So I'm doing some art for those events. Um, and yeah, that's it. Really, just other than that, just painting, doing art, doing design. Um, you know. Normal stuff. <laughs> Definitely have to keep an eye out for that. And 
will definitely uh, make sure to include the links to Guardian's mental health. You can also learn more by visiting guardiansmh.org to get all of the information on all of the latest events that are happening. Yeah. And Alpha, what about you? Uh, you I've got a bunch on? going on. Um, resuming like constant streaming. Um, I am recovering from COVID right now, so there's going to be a little more throughput uh, as of this moment, but um, I do have a big uh, thing coming up. I've actually been had the honor of being selected to stream for the Bungie Foundation during their giving festival. Uh, it's going to be on July 12th. We're going to be raising money for the Little Lights. Uh, and uh, Mike Titan is on the table to be taken out. So uh, that's going to that's gonna have me sweating. Uh, but doing that, doing more uh, helps in the community and just having to make myself look like much of a dumbass as possible. Love that. Love and that. You're on your way. I am on my way. What are you talking about? I'm already here. <laughs> well, we you a speedy recovery from COVID. I know that you you attended Guardian Con not too long ago, and uh, that was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and how was that? It was an incredible experience. Um, I actually just posted the vlog for it the other day. Um, I got to meet and share a room with my mods, uh, which was an incredible experience. And we got to hang out with some uh, incredible, incredible people in the Destiny community, including uh, Dee Flawless, some of uh, people from Amaze's crew. Uh, we got to hang out uh, and meet up with uh glad clyde uh triartrisen whole bunch of other guardians and got to explore uh artist alley which had some amazing stuff this year there was a uh actual rendition of uh the other half and lament that someone had created uh which you could actually pick up and i think someone actually picked up uh lament for a thousand it was on auction so that was, it was an incredible, incredible time. Uh, and the after parties were something to behold because we're all sitting there and it was sponsored by Advanced GG. So they, they had all these like flavors uh, or drinks, cocktails that were inspired by creators. But Next thing I know is Glad just comes out of the building into the patio area with a bucket of AMF. And he's just slurping out of that thing. I'm like, that man's not going to feel good. The bucket's gone. He goes back inside. I'm like, okay, he's going to chill. Comes back with another bucket. <laughs> and at GCX, while we were at the Rosen Shingle, there was a bar on the inside that everybody uh, went to go hang out with. Uh, and Kenner hit me up to go hang out and I go there and I just see glad just slogging around. You could tell the AMFs hit him. Hard. <laughs> it was, it was a crazy time. I have so many stories. Well, maybe we'll have to do a uh, GCX episode soon. And we'd love to have you back to share more stories of, uh, your experiences at GCX. Um, I'd be and happy I'm, to be on. I resolute. Did you attend uh, GCX? And uh, Elsie, <laughs> you attend? No, I, I wasn't able to make it this year. It was uh, 
was a bit disappointed, but you know, there's a lot going on that was kind of a confluence of I was moving, gas prices going up, really long travel time for me, so it was a bit of a had to had to make the tough call to to cancel kind of last minute. And in my case, uh, I live on the other side of the planet where it's currently almost four a.m. and uh, I do not quite have the money yet to fly over to just go to GCX because I am as the the people these days call them a broke student uh so that that ain't exactly happening but definitely going to gcx is uh is on my list of things that i want to do at some point because hearing stories from friends and, and other guardians that i've played with that did end up attending like it just sounds like a good time so i'm i'm definitely in for a future run at some point just not yet and and Elsie, what's next for you in your destiny community journey what are you working on oh god uh many things uh first of all this is something i've been working on for a long time ever since i started taking lo-fi more seriously i'll hopefully have it done somewhere near the end of the summer but it is a full destiny lo-fi collection an entire album of lo-fi remixes covering tracks from all over the franchise from d1 vanilla all the way to the witch queen um that is currently being worked on I am also working with a bunch of other musicians from the Destiny community on uh, the sequel to a remix album that was made a few years ago called Geomantic. You can already find that one, but we're making a sequel to it. And the whole concept of that album is we take a few tracks from Destiny and we flip it into a different genre. So there is some tracks that we turned into a metal track. Others got like an 8-bit chiptune remix. And then there's a choir performance of of a different track, uh, a piano arrangement, all those kinds of things. And we're throwing that all together into one uh, album. So we're doing that with a group of people. Uh, I'm still working together with Owen Spence, a good friend of mine, to remix a bunch of Destiny's event music. You know, the music here in the tower when Solstice is around, the dawning, um, and all those kinds of events. And then, hopefully, it's in early drafts at the moment, but I am working on a sequel to that 25-minute piano mashup, because goddamn, the Witch Queen soundtrack has some good tracks, and I want to do something with them i want to make another mashup like that that includes them but that's a question if that ever still happens but generally speaking what's next for me is just trying to hopefully branch out in the type of things i do with music because i've been pretty confined to lo-fi and piano stuff um so using that geomantic album as like a way to branch out a bit more and do other stuff learn new things um but i definitely want to still do more with the music of this game because every single time that they release a new update they never cease to amaze me with the amazing things that they do on the music team and i want to continue working with that so that's what's next for me mainly in the next what then how many how many projects is that probably a year probably till lightfall <laughs> You're going to be really busy. That's awesome. Yeah. I yeah. can't wait to hear it. Out. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we'll definitely have to keep an eye out for that. And we're going to make sure to include all of your links in our show notes and on our new website. 
So definitely stay tuned for that, Guardians. And we do have one more thing to quickly talk about. We do have a weekly update. Not a big one this week. Pretty small update. But we do have a few updates from Liana from Bungie. And we know that Trials of Osiris Freelance is coming back. And it's making its return this weekend for Season of the Haunted. We also learned some important lessons that Bungie mentioned uh, about the player base being involved with the competitive experiences like Trials, although they were fairly vague about any meaningful changes that they're implementing, at least at this point in time. It seems to me like they're just letting the Guardians know that, hey, Trials Freelance is coming back and let us know how you all enjoy the experience. I'm curious, are you all going to be playing any Trials this weekend? I'll probably be playing in the Freelance. Probably have some friends to run with. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, I'm going back in. I, I went in last weekend for the cap uh, mode and went in with a couple of my old PlayStation buddies, uh, one of whom still plays on PlayStation. And um, I had a decent time. I, I, I think the matchmaking is going to need some work still, but um, I've been pretty happy with the, the loot track uh, and the uh, options like the I'm, the, the different modes, the different uh, experiments they've done. I'm, I want to see them keep iterating until we find something that works a lot better. Like I, re- I had a, <clears throat> I had a really good time with Iron Banner Rift, and that was like a pretty massive God, change to that. Sure. So like I could see them doing something massive to Trials and still, you know, going in and at least giving it a chance and seeing if. That- so um, I probably won't play play freelance unless I try to grind out some more rolls on the fusion rifle, but. Uh, you know, if some friends want to play, I'll I'll definitely play with them for sure. Yeah, I might try freelance because we'll we'll see. I'll I'll try it for a few matches and see how it goes. But I'm not expecting any miracles, at least not for me. I'm not that strong of a player personally, so I might check it out. But definitely not something I'll put too much time into. I'm going back in. <laughs> you're going back in all right it's a, weird, it's a weird pool but i'm in it you know what i'm saying oh, what about you are you in it uh i kind of like leaving my plans up in the air but i definitely love diving in um i already uh i forget when this was but i actually do have a solo flawless uh under my belt for trials which i'm very very proud of because i'm not a very strong pvp player i'm more stronger for uh pve but i do want to try and knock out another one wait solo flawless so that means you went going through flawless by myself through freelance wow i did not know that was an achievement at least it is it's for me. At least for me. It's, it, well, it's not an in-game achievement, but it is definitely an achievement. Yeah. You're just beyond, beyond in-game. <laughs> just the game does not matter. Personal pride is on the line. <laughs> so 
the Guardian's Eyes Up. We learned about some mental health uh, notes here from our friendly community manager at Bungie. Uh, as we know, mental health is really important. And here is what Liana had to say about mental health. As promised, we wanted to provide some additional resources for those guardians out there that may be taking a season of the haunted storyline to heart. We have loved hearing your stories and we are so humbled that you trust us with such sensitive memories. If you feel like everything is a little too much or that you would like to add some tools to that mental health toolkit, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to the resources available for help. To learn more about the tools to help uh, when you need them most, please visit um, bungie.net or, of course, guardiansmh.org uh, and pick up the Guardians Mental Health Kit. You can also find links um, in this week's Bungie weekly update or this week at Bungie. And uh, definitely a really important topic and something that is so, so important. Uh, Leanna goes on to state from anxiety to imposter syndrome, depression, to dealing with loss. There's a resource for everything. You're important. And so is your mental health. And go ahead and make sure to follow Guardians Mental Health on Twitter and uh, definitely follow their resources, which are so, so important and um, helpful to those looking for mental health guidance. And Guardians, on that note, we're going to continue the Bungie Weekly Update. And the next thing we have here is uh, the takedown updates that took place not too long ago. And I know, Elsie, you have yep. some further knowledge about this. And I'm curious, uh, what, is, what is going on with this whole takedown uh, yeah. occurrence? Because I was not aware of this. So to people that have been a bit out of the loop on it, uh, way back in around the first month of Witch Queen, like mid-March-ish, uh, a lot of destiny content creators had their videos taken down and that ranged from smaller creators to the biggest creators on the platform like bife had dynasty taken down a few days after its release uh asked across had videos taken down but also smaller channels mainly ones that i was involved with a lot the music channels the people that were archiving the music that is in the game to youtube channels so that people can listen to it a lot of those people started receiving takedowns and we all initially assumed that these takedowns were coming from Bungie and that they had somehow changed their policies around these takedowns and that they were striking because of that. But they said a few days later that they had no knowledge of these takedowns and that they were not coming from Bungie themselves and that they would investigate. Uh, and it was only yesterday or two days ago now uh, that we got actual court documents about the lawsuit that Bungie filed against the person who issued these false claims. And it turns out that the person who did these false claims was actually a Destiny content creator. 
and they had a lot of their videos taken down because what they did was buy some of the soundtracks from the Bungie store and straight up upload them onto YouTube, which, according to Bungie and their legal team, was not that was not a correct use of their copyright. So they struck those videos down. And as a kind of Joker revenge plot, uh, they created <laughs> fake email accounts and impersonated CSC, the company that does the copyright takedowns for Bungie. They impersonated them and took down 96 separate videos from all around the community. And they are now being sued for that. The worst part about it is that this creator, I'm going to refrain from naming them if you want more details. Literally every games journalist is talking about it right now. You can find it there. Um, but this person was actually someone that I considered a pretty good acquaintance. Uh, a lot of my friends were very close friends with him. Uh, in fact, he was helping uh, the music channel specifically while at least take that were happening. He was talking to them and quote unquote, helping us trying to get out of the situation all while striking down the videos of both our channels and other people's channels at that exact same time. So a lot of us are very upset at what happened, but at least it's, it's, it's very good to see that when it comes to community created content, that it clearly shows Bungie is willing to go to bat for us. Like they took him to court. They called out YouTube for their bat copyright system. They clearly stated, we want people to be able to make content like this. And we want people to be able to, transform the things that we make and turn it into something that's their own uh like they're happy to own that and it's awesome to see that they're willing to enforce that uh beyond just some statements in a twab but like full-on taking something to court and taking the time to investigate issues like these but bottom line uh anyone can do what this person did anyone can impersonate someone and issue false copyright takedowns, and that poses quite a big issue for not just the Destiny community, but just any online community with any sort of presence uh, that your content can be taken down at any moment. So to see that Bungie is trying to fight that uh, for the entirety of the platform and not just for the Destiny community, that's, that's really awesome to see. And obviously, at the end of that, they state that the uh, music uploads that we have been waiting for to get approved for a few months now, uh, a lot of those music uploads were being taken down. And Bungie said, we're willing to support uh, music being uploaded, but there's just a few rules and you need to send us an email so that we can approve your videos and your uploads. Those haven't been happening because of this court case. and now they should start seeing the first few approvals come in within the next few weeks. So if you're one of the people who has been missing a lot of Destiny's music on YouTube, uh, stay tuned, because hopefully in the next few weeks, you should start seeing uh, tracks being re-uploaded again slowly, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, that's really great news. And uh, thank you for sharing that. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that on a personal level. 
uh it's it's upsetting i'm mainly just upset for my friends mostly like a few of my friends knew this person for like well over five years and considered them as good friends so it's like quite i guess mainly just surprising and baffling to see that things like this can happen but at the end of the day uh i just want to make one thing very clear man got his punishment uh, the court documents state that he uh, owes Bungie $150,000 in damages for every single false claim, which totals up to over $7.5 million. Yeah, $7.5 million. Um, yeah, like, uh, he's done things wrong, and uh, he has to pay for his actions, but, like, do not go send this man any more harassment or hate than people have already sent him, because... there's already enough that's going on and i feel like that would just be pouring salt over a wound i wouldn't wish that on anyone no matter what they did so i just want to make that very clear to anyone listening yeah um it's pretty interesting position that they're taking because a bungie is pretty lax when it comes to allowing the their community to monetize certain fan efforts and i think they're actually like the the way that they're engaging with this now because dmca is basically broken for 2022 it's it is not a functional set of laws for mm-hmm. the way the internet works now <clears throat> streaming really put a hole in the idea that people aren't allowed to make money off of sort of like fan based uh, critique based or like content creation based things like it really has turned the whole of the thing upside down the fact that there are <clears throat> in every video game in every in the country in every market there are people making money inside sort of the bubble of the industry by being fan creators and by being lore experts and musicians and painters and commentators like having Bungie actually like come at this and having them having a player as big as them go at the system especially around like YouTube in this example being a huge like black hole for certain things like people can get their stuff demonetized people can get their stuff taken down and they they don't YouTube and Google don't have to tell them why and they can just sort of leave them in the lurch and having some of this become more transparent and shining a light into these places where people didn't necessarily understand what was going on is only a good thing because I had the same thing happen to me on a really small scale back a couple of years back on Etsy because someone just decided they could do some takedown notifications. They were from random people and it pushed me off of that platform entirely. And it's because I realized right then and there that like anyone for any reason could come at me sideways and take my stuff down and like you know what what's it worth to like build a a huge following on a platform that can just be completely pulled out from under you at any point so you know it's it's one of those things where you end up having a work and you know for me i was able to find a way out of it but for a lot of these folks that need to use twitch and youtube it's like that platform can mean everything to them And if it's taken away from them because someone acts as a bad actor inside a system, like, 
that's that's a messed up kind of risk you know yeah and it's good to see that you know people always say oh bungie doesn't really care about their player base bungie doesn't listen to us like stuff like this where they specifically go to bat for the people who make content for this game and the people who like either enjoy it or even make a living off the fact that they're willing to go to bat for us like that obviously it's also for their own sake while those sure. strikes were being issued bungie was receiving a lot yeah. of negative negativity yeah they have their own video yeah. struck down too uh but like bungie was receiving a lot of negativity during the week or two that they weren't able to respond yet because they were still investigating self-included because i also wasn't happy with what was happening sure. so obviously they're also doing it for their own sake you know charging someone for company defamation essentially but the they if you read through the full court documents you can very very clearly see bungie's intention to make sure that players can create content like this and will always be able to create and share and do cool things that maybe other companies wouldn't allow like that the fact that they're willing to enforce that and that they're willing to keep that intact no matter what just shows how much they do care about the entire community and i i think that's fantastic yeah they're they're tilting at youtube as well which is yeah that's a hell of a position to take but i'm here <laughs> for it because they they built a thing and just like i was talking earlier it's like they they don't do a great job of my- they don't do a great job of owning responsibility of what they've created and to have another company sort of pushing at them within this system is that's, that's only good for all of us. Well said. And quick recap on player support updates. We do have a little bit of a preview. We're getting a new hotfix 4.1.0.4. Uh, which will be released next Tuesday, June 28th. And uh, you can learn more uh, by visiting bungie.net. But uh, we will be getting um, some maintenance, which will be starting at 9 a.m. Pacific time for both Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. Uh, So on June 28th at 9 a.m. Pacific, servers will be brought offline um you can expect for this maintenance to take place for one hour um actually no i apologize it looks like 10 a.m pacific time destiny 2 hotfix 4.1.0.4 will begin rolling out across all platforms and regions so if within it's that anything hour, like previous uploads there should be only 15 minutes of downtime before uh reset well that's good to know okay and it should be completed by 2 p.m for both destiny 1 and destiny 2 on the same day uh they did have some notes regarding this update uh for what is being targeted for the fixes uh they're fixing an issue where players could shoot through barricades the word of dawn and skin walls when piercing sidearm artifact mods and the armor piercing rounds weapon mods are equipped uh furthermore 
piercing sidearm artifact mods will be re-enabled, so good news there. Uh, fix, they're fixing an issue where the Crucible uh, Vermilion shader effects caused unintentional photosensitivity issues. That's kind of important for anyone who is dealing with any type of photosensitivity problems, so great to hear about that. Um, they're going to investigate special effects in nightmare containment activities that caused unintentional photosensitivity. Uh, they're fixing an issue where the Wings of Sacred Dawn did not offer proposed airborne effectiveness buff. They're fixing an issue where the Perengreave Greaves uh, did not offer proposed airborne effectiveness buff. They're fixing an issue where the Peacekeepers did not offer proposed airborne effect effectiveness buff. A lot of uh, airborne effectiveness. Right? <laughs> a lot. Well, they I just saw what happened in GCX. Well, they did so, so that would be tinkering with it. Yeah. Um, so the Vault of Glass, uh, the master mode did not have all challenges active oh. when available uh, through the new raid and dungeon rotator. Interesting to note there. Yeah, the rotating this, raids, anytime that a raid is in rotation, all of the challenges will be available in that week. So theoretically, if you're oh, missing all of your master right. challenges yes. for Vault of Glass, you can knock all of them out in one week. Yeah, nice. Once yep. it's available as the rotator. Yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad they're fixing that because that's the sort of thing where it's like once you, you know, you get a chance to do one of those, it's a fun challenge. And it's always good to be able to knock out like a lot of those triumphs and stuff. Sometimes it feels like a bit of a slog trying to get all of them. You got to wait every week for the next one to come around and the next one to come around and the next one to come around like and we do have three known issues that Bungie oh, four known issues uh, one the pattern for crafting Nezarak's whisper cannot be untracked uh <laughs> Okay. Oh so, god. Oh, I, I know that means. I know that means. If you track <laughs> yep. it and it shows up in your HUD, you can't yeah. untrack it. You can't oh, untrack no. it. It's, it's forever. <laughs> Holding you hostage. That's gotta be annoying. <laughs> I wonder if the number goes over five. It'll seven to five. To eight to five. Right. You know, like uh defeating target while radiant with the knockout knock him down is not refunding melee energy when used with uh, Calibran's hand? I'm butchering that. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't have that one, but it's the throwing knife thing, right? Uh, the, okay, it's yeah, the new Hunter I, Arms exotic, yes. Yeah, I haven't gotten I haven't it yet. yet. Okay. I haven't chased it. Palace Mini Tool and Drang, they don't <sighs> update to Gold Masterwork. After oh, upgrading your two enhanced traits. So FYI there. And lastly, the Empty Grief Seasonal Challenge will not be completed if a player picks up the... Yeah, but the scythe doesn't 
correctly as a solar yeah. weapon. Uh, you need to complete yeah. the full sever mission with a void subclass and only using kinetic void and stasis. But if you pick up the scythe, it counts as a solar weapon. So it yeah, doesn't give you that actually challenge. happened to page while i was running with him on a tuesday and he was so <laughs> upset yeah somebody so told we ended me up running it through with him again he was mauling the whole way through he's like i cannot believe this <laughs> it's hard i mean like there's so many things i cannot imagine being a tester in this game like a without knowing everything about it already or b like you know just trying to discern some of these things if you're not like regular player i'm sure all their testers play regularly and whatnot but it's it's just whew, god it seems so complicated it's a lot of work oh, as yeah. someone who is studying game dev uh if a season ever ships broken and people blame <laughs> the testers or they say like did anyone ever test this oh that's oh, the yeah. worst excuse never want to oh, hear yeah, that they tested it many many times trust me uh, there's just so many issues that come out like you do testing and everything seems fine and you do it very thoroughly and it still seems fine and then you push it into release and then millions of people flood in and within three minutes it's broken well it's it's, it's so much more obvious to when mm -hmm. you have millions of people able to iterate and find they've talked previously about stuff that they tested for months that they never saw problems with and the minute it shipped it's like yeah you know luke smith example. talked about that a while ago he yeah. at one point they held an experiment where they uh they tracked exactly how much time they spent testing a release and then as soon as that release went live they counted the total amount of play time that all players collectively were playing the uh -oh. game within three minutes players had played the game more then the testers had spent testing that content for like the entirety of that season's mm -hmm. development mm -hmm. within three minutes. So yeah. that just puts into perspective like how much easier it is for us to find an issue and to find a bug compared to a team of like a couple dozen testers. Yeah. Well, it's game development is definitely very complicated. So uh, I try to give developers a benefit of the doubt. <laughs> you know, um, I'm sure it takes a lot of effort to put together a game as complex as Destiny. So I tend to appreciate what we get and try to look at a, a glass half full. Absolutely, yeah. And that's generally how I try to approach Destiny. I find that looking at it from the other perspective, you you tend to have too much negative energy, which, um, I don't know. I like to focus on the positive. But definitely uh, all good things here. And Guardians, we do have a tradition on the show. Um, before we wrap things up, we do want to note and congratulate all of the movies of the week and artists of the week this week. We have, um, I'm going to butcher these names. Uh, Sammy Cat Plays, congratulations on your video of your first duality dungeon completion with no hud solo all bows 
She's been doing that thing for a while, but this was her first completion and she did it flawless. Destiny without the HUD on is so wildly cool looking. It's like, it's hard, but it is like, there's so much that you don't realize is just gorgeous because you're like, you're always constantly looking at your, I was, where's my timer on this thing? Where's that thing? And it's like, wow, there's so much going on on that screen. Yeah, and we also have um, Korean Rice Sauce on Twitter. <laughs> nice name. Uh, Destiny X Naruto. Um, make sure to check out that video as well. Uh, congratulations on your movies of the week there. And then, of course, we have Artists of the Week, right? That's kind of important, too. And we have this is Nightfall with a really awesome image of a Titan. And that looks amazing. Looks sick, yeah. Really, really. And then lastly, we have a Redshift art. Congratulations on your uh, art and winning movies, or I should say artist of the week. And that is a really awesome image of crow and um really dark and sinister artwork so congratulations on that and guardians we have come to that time what a uh, lengthy episode thank you all for hanging out with us live uh thank you to our amazing guests on the show thank you alpha for joining me tonight has special guest co-host and guardians we do have a tradition on the show before we let you all go where we rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls between one and five one being really bad five being the best spicy tuna rolls that money can buy alpha why don't you kick things off what would you rate this week's bungee weekly update I'm going to be honest, I would have to give it a three. It didn't give us it while it was, yes, short. It was synced. It was to the point. Gave us some good information on uh, trials coming up. It also gave us good information on like some fixes that were coming out and advised us on mental health. But it wasn't really anything that was blowing us out of the water. It was just as it, it's meant to be. It's an update. It gave us information that we need for next week. Well said. What about you, I Resolute? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go. This is a five with an asterisk because if you read the uh, court filing that goes along with the takedown update, that's some spice. A $7.5 million lawsuit on a player, like whew, implications of like how, you know, reporting and takedowns could work on YouTube come. That's a. <clears throat> that's spice that's a spicy twab but if you didn't read that you don't know so maybe asterisk maybe three is the most appropriate honestly <laughs> all said what about you Elsie? uh i'll uh, i'll go in between a little bit i'll go for a four uh i really like the fact that they're just emphasizing the mental health stuff again especially with a season that deals with such heavy topics 
Uh, obviously, it's no news about the game. It's no like trailer for season of the whatever's next, or it's no raid launch date. But it's it's important stuff. And then obviously the stuff about the takedowns is at least for me personally, specifically, it's it's very uh, very nice to hear. And then anti barrier sidearms coming back. I mean, what can I say? That's a that's a five out of five right there. That's uh, spicy. That is spicy. Uh, no, I'll I'll rate that one a four out of five. All said, and I think for me, I'm going to probably go in between and say three out of five. I think that we got some really good updates regarding um, their um, lawsuit. Um, that was definitely good for them to really be proactive with the takedowns. I think it's good that Trials Freelance is coming back. Um, mental health getting um, recognition this week was definitely a plus for me. Uh, but overall, nothing in-game that really makes me want to jump in and play, right? So I think on, on that front, it was kind of light. So I'm going to say three out of five spicy tuna rolls. And Guardians, what a show, what an episode. Uh, this is going to be a really long one this week. So Guardians, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for tuning in. Guardians, before we let you all go, where can we all learn more about you and what you do? Elsie, why don't you kick things off? You can find me basically on your average social media platforms, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Spotify, under the name PKMT1234. Very cool. And iResolute, where can we learn more about you and your amazing art? Uh, you can catch me on my website or Twitter. They are both irresolute, um, irresolute.com on the interwebs and at irresolute on Twitter. Very cool. I R R E Z O L U T. <laughs> and we'll make sure to include the links in our show notes. So you can find iResolute on Twitter, on his website, and buy some art. He makes yeah. incredible art, and I bought some. Uh, I personally think it's way too cheap. <laughs> Honestly, Don't say that. Don't say for everything that you sent me, like <laughs> I'm thinking, like holy crap, this is amazing. He even signed it, y'all. That's how I do. We're gonna be taking pictures, and I'm gonna share it with y'all on Twitter. So stay tuned for that. And Alpha, my friend, it's been a minute. But uh, so, so great to have you back on again. Where can we learn more about you and everything that you're doing in the community? You can find me tweeting every five minutes over on my Twitter at It's KB Alpha. Uh, you can catch some of my streams Monday. Uh, correction, sorry. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday uh, over on my Twitch channel. I do karaoke streams every Friday and helps on Wednesday. Uh, and then... Uh, if you want to catch the occasional upload, check me on TikTok at SKB Alpha. Love it. And Guardians, you can find the Destiny Show podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, and every major platform. 
You can find us on Twitter at The Destiny Show. You can find us on Instagram at Destiny Show Podcast. And you can find us right here on Twitch at twitch.tv slash The Destiny Show every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on The Destiny Show. Guardians, thank you so, so much for joining us for another episode of The Destiny Show podcast. And we'll see you all next week. Good night. We hope you get that bread. And we will see you, Darside. Good night, Guardians. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.